I don't know anything. And I don't know anything. And I don't know anything. Hello and welcome to episode number 58 of Grumpy Old Benz. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America where I may be one year older, but I don't know if I'm one year wiser. And from America's left coast where we're bringing back old fashioned values because the new ones aren't polling very well. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Our old fashioned values stay in your house, slave. Don't go outside, slave. Don't even look outside. Well, well, yes, one of the old-fashioned values is that it takes three months to get across the country. Well, it's better that way. You can't. Well, you don't even have trains because they, they cut the Zephyr down. So yeah, what the hell? How, how do you that, that is a sign of the failing economy. It's a sign of the failing economy. And I, I guess I would question otherwise why they're still running any kind of the transportation stuff. Hey, the phone's ringing. Oh, see, I should turn that off. But now, the how wife- do we not mute? Fo- are we professionals or what? <laughs> we are not. Um, but the wife's so happy over. birthday, you old geezer. Thank you. Thank you. That is the uh, second best birthday greeting and uh, and shout out that I have gotten in the uh, the last what? couple days. Was the first one your wife? No, no. She never really actually uh, wished me a happy birthday. Yeah. So that. I don't know. Uh, she, she, she doesn't actually want you to have one. Right. Should that should that really matter? But no, I have I have this all queued up here. Can you can you everybody in the uh, troll room? Can you tell me who this is? Happy birthday, Darren. Anybody know that voice? Uh was that Donald birthday, Trump? Darren. Close. A friend of Donald Trump's. I see. No, not Adam Curry. See, Adam didn't they, they forgot to put me on the birthday list. They forgot when i donated for john's birthday and i said put me on the birthday list because my birthday's wednesday they yeah they didn't but see that there's a dirty secret that not many people realize about no agenda and that is that they are disorganized as fuck <laughs> that is true a digi guru absolutely right big bill o'reilly happy birthday darren so uh yeah which darren was he talking to me actually i sent in a letter <laughs> to bill uh for for his broadcast and uh he read it and then wished me a happy birthday so it was a nice call out from big bill one of the guys as i've talked about getting news in this coronavirus for me it's at least as far as things that i trust listening to no agenda in bill o'reilly i read a lot of the other stuff but it's hard to find people you trust and it's hard to find people that know how to interpret the data and give you information without going way, way, way into the opinion side. So that was nice. I, I thought I got a kick out of that. And my parents did too, because they love Bill O'Reilly. And I knew that I'd be getting a call. It's it's good to it's good to know that uh, Bill O'Reilly is giving something back, given how much free press you've given him on your show. Yeah, and it's he's doing a good job. I like the the new service he's providing, and it's interesting that. And- Somebody that was once in the belly of the beast can go on their own and do this and make money because he's been doing it for a while. My parents love Bill O'Reilly, where I wasn't watching news coverage every night up until this coronavirus thing came on, but I'd still check Bill out. But they love Bill after he was released from Fox. 
So we've been a premium member with him now, like for like three years or so, 900 and something days, I th- think it was. Uh, and he's doing okay to do, go and do your own network. This is podcasting. Sure. But the numbers that he's doing, I think would make most podcasters very jealous. If you believe the accuracy of what he's claiming over 200,000 subscribers at between 60 and 100 bucks a year i understand that's a pretty low subscription rate when you compare things like you know um, you know netflix and there's no agenda i mean that makes from a lot of people from a small amount of people give a lot of money because we've heard people give thousands of dollars at one particular juncture so that that every though 50 dollars from everybody for you know year in and year out that's that's not bad we could live on that pretty easily it's it's like i've said before about uh, the the way to build an audience podcasting is that if you want thousands of people to listen to your podcast start out as a celebrity with millions of people listening to you that is the way to do it podcast well that's how joe rogan adam carolla people that are doing podcasts and making money had a platform before curry dvorak also had a platform before the podcast to bring people in and that makes sense. It's hard to do Fletcher. it the way we're doing it. Fletcher had a platform before. He did? He was. Uh, yeah, well, his, his platform was No Agenda Jingles, which are awesome. <laughs> Heard the one, the one yesterday that he sent it. Yeah. Anyways. No Agenda so, has a lot of great producers, as do we here at Grumpy Old Benz. And we are celebrating, besides my birthday, the big 5-0, this is one year of Grumpy Old Benz. We talked about that a little bit. We recorded the first one at the end of march of 2019 but it was released on april 12th so we're actually here and uh on sunday and and that's because you actually had 12 11 13 i can't do i can't a lot of days you you had almost two weeks straight of spending 24 7 trying to edit that mofo because we were we were i well you were a professional podcaster. Um, I was some guy you found on the street. You were like, oh, we can't do this weekly if it takes more than two weeks to edit. <laughs> that does make the uh, that does make the release schedule a little bit harder. But we really we popped two cherries at the same time because April 12th, we released that episode from March 30th. I think it was. Um, and we also had a live episode the first time on the stream because we brought Larry along. So that was an intriguing way to release Grumpy Old Ben's onto the world. Actually, I, I owe, owe Larry a lot for that, because after the first episode, I was like, this is this. This was really terrible. Like, how can we do that? And then we came on and Larry offered uh, encouragement and said, you know, it's some, something, you know, something uh, platitude like uh, if, if you believe you can do it and you want to do it, then then just go for it. And. And don't worry if it's not good and it, it's starter. I mean, it's it, it was some empty platitude like that, but I didn't even know who this Larry person was. I'd only been listening to his show for a month or two. And then he, he says, you know, he, he was encouraging. I'm like, oh, my God, there's a nice guy. I didn't know that happened in podcasting. Giving, and then I went on to be the total opposite. So. Right. So you learn. But he gave sage advice, as he did when he told me, just do it yourself. Go start a solo podcast. That way you don't have to worry about people showing up. Although you've been very good at showing up, except last week you were a little late. You know, I showed up. up. <laughs> you were a little, uh, maybe a little hungover, but nobody could tell. 
I was a lot hungover. <laughs> but, okay, so <laughs> is, is there any news this week? Yes, yes. And uh, so we're celebrating the one year of Grumpy Old Ben's, and we're glad everybody from Larry on down that has provided us with feedback, provided us with your time to listen to the shows, and of course, all the people that support the show monetarily, which helps us keep the lights on and, you know, the cats with mice to bring in the, I mean, you got to do something with them, but keeps the cats in vodka. There's plenty of news. And I did want to update people on my grocery delivery situation. Cause I believe I mentioned that on the last grumpy old Ben's, which was, I had placed an order on Tuesday and it was supposed to arrive on Thursday and it got pushed back hour by hour. And while we were doing the show on Friday, I was like, well, they, they're saying they're going to get it to me today at like between 10 and 11 a.m. What ended up happening was it showed up about 10 p.m. last Friday. So, yay, we've been able to eat. But Meyer is so bad at what they do that I got a call a couple of days ago. And it was through my Google Voice number, so I didn't answer. They just left a message like, well, the, you know, the credit that's been requested for Meyer will be on your account. You should see it within a couple of days. Bye. And this morning, Meyer for some reason, credited my American Express card back the $202 that we spent on the groceries. And I so free groceries. Yes, because I and I don't believe this was. Well, we know you were really inconvenienced that we're doing this. I believe that I complained and asked when my groceries were going to be showing up on that Friday. And they originally were like, well, you might want to place another order. We think ship didn't get it. So it was canceled. And I never asked for a refund. I never said I didn't get the order. I was inquiring about when it would show up, if ever. But I believe they're so bad at their jobs that what was put in was that this guy's complaining he didn't get his order, so credit it back. I, it's, it, alternatively, it, yeah. Alternatively, it was just another mistake, and they're going to realize that mistake in two weeks and <laughs> charge your card for $400. That is also a possibility, but with the credit card system, that's much harder to do because you'd be like, well, I didn't ask for that. But it'll be interesting. Like, I'm certainly not going to call them at this point and be like, I owe you money because I've done that before with companies, and it's just not worth it so we'll figure out some place where that can go make a donation somewhere and, and put it to good use but i was just surprised at how bad that whole situation went and the only thing that was good was the shopper because as you know if you've been in a grocery store these shelves are fairly it, once bare. or twice yeah and you know the the brand of tortilla chips and cheese and you know, the little breakfast things, There were a lot of things had to be substituted and she did a really good job, the shopper, and I left a $20 tip, which I'm glad because there was a story I read about Instacart, which is a different system, very much the same thing, though, with grocery delivery. They use shipped here in the Chicago area for the stores. I don't know if Instacart exists around here. It may, but Instacart. This was the weirdest thing. If anybody is using Instacart, I guess one of the ways, because it's hard to find shoppers right now because people don't want to go shopping. So this is a job. These are orders that are being overloaded, like with mine. It was supposed to be here on, you know, early on a Thursday. It didn't get there till 10 o'clock on a Friday. So they're overloaded. What people are doing, 
I guess, because Instacart allows you, and tell me if this makes any sense to you, they allow you to add a tip to the order before somebody even agrees to do the shopping for you. Well, I I mean, it, maybe to no. ensure promptness. So maybe that's the, the, the original point, you know. Uh, a tip often in restaurants, but a lot of people treat it like uh, it's I got good service. But uh, if if it's to ensure promptness, it's supposed to be I I want good service. So here I'm I'm the person you're you're going to tell me this isn't going to work out, though. Well, this I know I've heard of people that do this, and I always thought it was a douchebag thing for restaurants where they're like, you know, here this ten dollars right here. This is your tip. Anything you do now yeah. can only take away from that. But this is. The kind of the concept okay, that, with Instacart. that is the person who gets urine in their food <laughs> and other like, things. It, it's worth $10 to take somebody like that down a peg <laughs> that it is. But Instacart, the and $10 is not much of a fucking tip. No. Well, it depends anyway. on what you're ordering. I mean, if you're at a little breakfast place no, and spending, no. you know, 20 bucks, then, you know, 10 bucks is a great tip. But uh, well, OK, I, 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 I've never subscribed to the idea that the. Uh, how overpriced the food is should determine how much your tip is. But I would agree. Uh, w- if if I go to a breakfast place and two people can eat for twenty dollars, then if I get good service, I'll drop twenty dollars on a tip. That doesn't bother me at all. Damn! Everybody, so look for Sir Bemrose at a and, and and then if I go to a place where I get exactly the same level of service and the food costs a hundred dollars, I'll still drop twenty dollars on a tip, and they'll be like. Pfft. Who the hell are you? I'd be like, I am the dude who's never going to come in here again because you guys overcharge. It is all perspective. But the problem with the Instacart system is when you're putting down something like that. So, hey, please, please, please go get my groceries. I'll give you a $50 tip. You know what Instacart allows you to do after you get the order? Uh, Pay it. Adjust the tip. <laughs> Just the tip. Adjust the tip. Yes. You can change the tip. So you, you, you can, you can give the shoppers just the tip. You can give the shoppers no tip actually after you can change the tip. That is, that is the ultimate teasing. Yes. That is someone in and then don't give them the tip. I, oh yeah, I know that's horrible. I know you're making so much sexual innuendo. My my sexual innuendos are not working here. (laughs) It's working. I just think it's, you know what? The sexual innuendo isn't as crazy as the reality of a system that allows people in these areas ravaged by coronavirus where people are afraid to go outside of the house to go, you know, and some people there, a lot of people out of work need money. So they're like, well, I could get a $50 tip if I just go do this guy shopping. Great. And you go, you do the shopping, you drop the food off at the house. And then the guy goes, no, that $50 tip, removing it. Some people are removing them entirely and not tipping at all. I would be worried about getting rocks through the window or shot up or something because yeah, they know where you yeah, live. That, They're that, bringing yeah, you your food. Knows where you live. Uh huh. <laughs> but that is like the ultimate and, in and, asshole maneuvering. Well, how how about this one? And and this is a, a tip that I I don't actually recommend to anybody who happens to be an Instacart shopper. But uh, maybe if they right at the door decide not to give you the tip, then you just don't tell them uh, which one of their pieces of produce you shit in you know it's all like if 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 they give the tip you'd be like actually don't use that one right you do this one there this one item you know and that would be a more fair thing to do but now all of these things i'm assuming because that's how they were working here with shipped was 
They don't want the workers to have any contact with you. So they bring all your groceries. They set them on the front step of your house and then text you that they're there. The person never wants to even see you. So it's a, yeah, yeah, it's a bizarre system. It's also keeping down being able to give cash tips to these delivery people because it's a lot harder. I mean, you could technically try to like tape something to the door, but then if somebody walking by the house randomly is like, oh, look, there's something taped to that door. How do you know who is getting the little envelope? And it's, it's crazy, but yeah, people be nice. Six months ago, six months ago, could you have ever guessed that we would would have somehow managed to train our entire population to fear all human contact? No, no, but I that, probably would have because I've been paying attention to the the internet and and social media for the last twenty five years, but not many people do. So, oh, well, and this is where the news coverage is going. And that point, I mean, this wasn't the top story, but it really goes into that concept. Uh, Diamond and Silk, the black sisters. I think they're sisters. I, I had one other thought about the the Instacart. Yeah. Uh, this is very, very Silicon Valley to uh, create because the the entire uh, system of being able to change your tip afterward, which is is completely retarded. And but it's very, very Silicon Valley uh, because you want to make sure to you know Silicon Valley, the 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 way that the business models work is you want to get as many users as possible. And as a side effect, they need to pander to people who are running the apps. And uh, like so many other Silicon Valley companies, uh, they are using their gig economy workers like their slave labor and completely screwing them over. So honestly, this is a very Silicon Valley thing to do. Well, it is. And that was the problem. I believe with shipped and with any of these gig economy things when stores are making promises about when they can get you a delivery they don't really know how many employers are going to show up or if there's any reality to what they're promising you i mean there was a it might have been in washington i read there was a nursing home maybe it was california somewhere on the west coast i believe that the staff just decided not to show up because so many people were infected in the nursing home with the coronavirus that they just stopped showing up. And these were people that were hired by the company. These were, you know, allegedly healthcare workers. And they're like, oh, coronavirus, they're not showing up. So you compare that then to the gig economy, people doing grocery shopping at a time where doing grocery shopping could be dangerous. And you wonder how you can even have any idea how many of those people on your role that would normally well normally we'd get five people at to try to get each one of these orders now it's probably five orders to each person that's actually working so i was in my grocery store only two days ago and i just like to let you know not not everybody's grocery store is necessarily the same but there was fucking nobody in there it was it was actually kind of amazing uh i got to walk around you know i still when when I went up to the deli counter to order some lunch meat, for example, um, I still stopped at the the big line that they put on the floor that said "stand here for social distancing." And and like a good slave, I decided to wait sarcastically until they called me up. But uh, oh, it, it, okay, you you got those lines. I'm sure you've got everybody's got those lines everywhere. Has anybody noticed that when when you have like 
three different lines. They they definitely. So what I saw was this was at the ATM machines. They had uh, two ATM machines side by side, and they had the spot where you stand in front of the ATM machine. It was very nice of them to mark out on the floor in tape where you stand so that you can use the ATM machine as if the length of people's arms isn't kind of the real indicator of that. But whatever, you know, if you're going to use the ATM machine, stand here on this tape, good slave. And then they had six feet back another mark that was, you know, wait here. So you're doing your proper, proper social distancing. But the other ATM was two feet away and they had another mark there. So obviously they want people to use the same ATMs. And then six feet back, they had the two marks that were only two feet apart. So if somebody's <laughs> waiting, apparently the virus, you, you have to keep the six feet away from each other going forward, but the virus can't move laterally. I, I think I'm, I'm not really sure what was going on here. Yeah. Somebody doesn't understand physics and the actual physical world, but you're seeing just so much stuff in drudge which used to be on my list, you know, like O'Reilly is now, where a place you go and you kind of trust the sources that they're being used. Drudge has been fear-mongering like nobody's business. And he's had a couple different videos, like recreations. And my favorite one was, well, this is what happens if somebody sneezes in a grocery store. And they had this animation that showed a guy standing in like the middle of an aisle, sneezing, while facing towards the product, so not up and down the aisle, towards the product, and then showing like, well, this sneeze was going to travel like two or three aisles beyond that. And I'm like, really? Who is doing this research? Who is backing this that you can sneeze in a grocery store aisle and somehow, you know, three aisles across, you're going to have the, these particles still going around? It's like, I guess. Technically, it may be possible if somebody is trying to sneeze as hard as they can and not covering their mouth, you know, not wearing a mask, not doing everything that a normal human would do without a pandemic to try to stifle a sneeze, maybe, but that really goes against everything we've been told. Like you said, six feet, which I think is kind of bullcrap. I'm sure it's helpful to stay at least six feet away, but I don't believe that germs know what six feet is and i don't believe that well they're magically going to drop off so so it, one of the places that human intuition breaks down and and one of the reasons why these descriptions of how here's how far a cough can go how, how one of the human imagination is not capable of understanding certain things once they get over a certain magnitude and one of those things is the number of air molecules in front of your face right now uh, if you, every breath that you take, you're pulling in, you know, a, a, a few hundred billion molecules of air. And if you just think about, uh, you know, how far can each of those molecules of air go, then, then what you're putting is an upper bound on how far anything that you expel can go away from you. And yes, it makes for some incredibly scary graphics. Um, I, I just dropped the link in the troll room. My favorite part of that link was was the typo in the uh, headline. It was a Daily Mail headline says coronavirus simulation shows a single cough can spread Germans across two supermarket aisles. And I, I mean, may, I, they're invading again. Yeah, Damn that's, Germans. Prob that's probably the 
similar thing or but, the same one that I saw. And yes, Jason's 13. He says, says the guy who's getting his groceries delivered. It's like, just because I don't believe it can do that doesn't mean that it's safe necessarily to go to the grocery store. I mean, I'm not completely so, paranoid, but there is a, a service that's offered. And I have my, my cousin, who's a truck driver, I had to go and drop something off. And the guy working you know, and receiving whatever it was, he said, sneezed on him, literally sneezed on him twice <laughs> and without trying to stifle it or anything. Okay. I'm just like, that's going to start so getting people killed. <laughs> that's douchey. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, it, yeah, sneezing directly at somebody, that's, uh, I mean, yes, you're, you you stand a, a pretty decent chance of, of catching what they have when that happens. But uh, the, the point I was going to make about the, the model and you see you know how far can a cough go and you see you know within 10 seconds the yes those air molecules that were expelled can go you know 10 15 20 30 feet okay yeah but it's not like you're you're plague riding the entire everybody around you uh because the the number of air molecules that you've expelled the vast majority of those are not going to infect you the the percentage chance that one of them will infect you if you breathe it in again later is infinitesimally low and the only reason why viruses can communicate at all is if you bring in you know millions of the same air molecules somebody else just output so if you see a graphic that says you know when somebody breathes out this is how far their virus goes well yes that's all probabilities and possibilities but Seriously, uh, you know, first of all, six feet is a pretty good indicator, e even if they're actively coughing on you. But if somebody is coughing at somebody else, uh, you have my permission to punch them in the face and then go wash your hands and don't touch your face when you do it. Yes, yeah, very carefully wash your hands. And it, it's just logic. And you're right about the percentage of those breaths or that sneeze that's infectious. And one of the things they're looking at now, and it's way too early to even speculate, is that people that have been exposed to a very small number of the virus, you know, have are the ones that maybe are having no yeah. or very little symptoms, as opposed to the ones who got a huge load, Joe Biden, at any given time, <laughs> and then can get very sick. So it's interesting well, to it, kind of watch. It, it, there's there's another name for for being exposed to a very small amount of a virus it's called a vaccine yes that's that's how you build immunity in fact that's even before we were providing companies uh a license to inject whatever they want into your bloodstream without any chance you can even sue them uh also known as a vaccine uh humans were developing immunities to things uh, things that would kill them by getting only a little bit uh, and that's uh, you know, th somehow even before all this medical technology, the human race survived. Right. We, we seem to be doing all right as a species. Well, yeah, they talk about so, the yeah. herd immunity and stuff like that. But that is where the diamond and silk story came. Twitter, of course, suspending people left and right for coronavirus misinformation, which, yeah, I, you know, this no matter what subject you're talking about the concept that the overlords now no matter what it is and we saw it with things like climate change as well that if you're saying things that they determine 
are misinformation, they're going to suspend you. And it's interesting. They're not even hiding the fact that they're trying to tell you how to think now. Yes, that is the problem. People that are simply offering. And I've noticed people coming out of the woodwork lately. And for people that are no agenda producers like I am, which is anybody that listens and contributes and really gets into the no agenda show. People on Twitter have been coming out of the woodwork like mad lately to argue all of these points to be like, oh, they're conspiracy theorists. They don't believe they've been trying to downplay this virus. And it's people uh, are arguing on Twitter. That's new. I know. And O'Reilly got the same thing the other day because he said, well, if you look at the stats, you know, a majority of the people that are dying of this were on their last legs anyway. And people are like, oh, how crass. It's like, but is he wrong? That's all I care about. I mean, maybe you could have said it in a nicer way. The truth is not a defense in mainstream media these days. Exactly. And that is the problem. But I understand why Twitter does this. We're used to it. We've seen James Woods come and go so often it gets, you know, gives you whiplash. And a lot of conservative people seem to get suspended. I don't remember really seeing a lot of liberal people getting suspended. So they must be the ones who all tell the truth and don't spread any misinformation. Or well, now you're spreading misinformation. <laughs> I think Twitter maybe just on likes Twitter, their misinformation. If they're on Twitter, they're they're not spreading truth most of the time. Yeah, I like, would. The vast majority of what's on Twitter is uninformed opinions and retarded people shouting at the at windmills. The only problem is now that you can follow these windmills and some people shout back. Can windmills shout back? I don't know. But the interesting thing. It's been a while since I've read Don Quixote. I'm not really sure. With Diamond and Silk, the best thing about this, because again, I understand what Twitter's doing. I understand they're full of crap. I understand their solution is not fair. I understand they don't really care about giving people a chance to have a discourse. This is now shut up, slave. You'll do exactly what we tell you. And if you say something we don't like, you'll be suspended. And the most childish part of the whole thing is Twitter doesn't delete the offending tweet, they leave it there. And tell you, you know, if you want to come back and play, you have to delete that tweet yourself. That is. Why are you even still there? Because that's where the eyeballs are. That's where and this has been talked about a million times there. I have much better conversations with people over on No Agenda Social, which is a part of Mastodon, which is a part of the Federation. But the amount of people using that are so much less. And if you want to do something like, hey grumpy old Ben's is live now you get more people off of Twitter than you do the other platforms and well, it's sure, sad. There's, sure there's more people but are they the people you want to reach I think we just established <laughs> that most of the people on Twitter are fucking idiots who aren't worth talking to so it's not a question of where there's more people it's a question of where are the people that you actually want to talk to it it's kind of like uh you know advertising versus value for value in in a podcast uh you know if if you're funded by advertising, then the only thing that you want ever is more eyeballs, more eyeballs, more eyeballs. Well, in that case, you need to go add, you know, you need to go plug everything on Twitter. If you're on the value for value model, then the type of people that you want are the people who are really going to engage with you. And then at some point donate, because that's, I mean, you know, we're all in this for the money. I'm a capitalist, but are there more people who are willing to really engage with grumpy old Ben's on uh, a targeted site like Mastodon where you can get quality conversations with a lot of people who are 
really engaged with your content or somewhere like Twitter where you're shouting into the wind and then, you know, maybe somebody farts back, but nobody's ever listening to each other. Yeah, you have a point. I mean, it really comes down to Twitter for me is mainly for promoting things and no agenda. Social is more for actually getting into conversations, but that's a, uh, I mean, it's not a great system. There's no doubt about it. And you're right. The amount of quality people on Twitter percentage wise, probably not great, but with this diamond and silk story, the most interesting thing to me was how CNN business covered this with an article, because, you know, when you think CNN, you think complete truth should mean so much integrity that they would never, never, never say or do anything that wasn't 100 percent sarcasm. It is. I mean, uh, CNN's kind of like, you know, what, commie news network or something like that. But this is from their article on the CNN business site. Over the last few weeks, the duo, that's Diamond and Silk, has advanced all sorts of misinformation and conspiracy theories about the coronavirus. They've questioned. Who are are these people, by the way? Diamond and Silk are two African-American ladies. What? Uh, You go on. You do really have a question or are you just being a douche? I can do both. (laughs) I can multitask. (laughs) They are the two black ladies that really came to prominence on youtube and twitter and i guess now they do something with fox news i don't know because i don't watch fox news but with that said they're on fox news and in some capability which is why cnn's all pissed off about it because here are the things that they actually dared to question they've questioned the death toll they can you believe that can you believe they would actually question the death toll i mean what kind of hateful people and obviously they're racist how could you question the death toll? I'm hateful. I question the death toll, too. Oh, see. They've questioned whether the virus is being deliberately spread. So that it's like, wait, the interesting thing well, here. Of course it, it is somewhere. <laughs> these, right. Because we've heard this before that people have intentionally tried to give people the virus. We've I, heard I, I mean, yes, some some percentage of people are probably intentionally spreading it because some percentage of people are complete douchebags. We, we know this. But you'll um, notice I don't even think it's most of them. Yeah. Even in this wording on the CNN business article doesn't say they've lied about the death toll. They've questioned the death toll. And then it wasn't they lied about whether the virus is being deliberately spread. It was they questioned whether it was be deliberately spread. So when did we become a society that questioning things gets you banned from social uh, November media? 2016? So, yeah, that could be when Trump derangement know. syndrome hit. <laughs> I don't know, but that's uh, I, I, I do know that 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 is right out of the playbook of authoritarian information management, which is that if you want to control how people think you need to prevent them from asking the wrong type of questions. Yes. And then the, the, they say in the CNN article, they've suggested the quote, deep state is working, quote, behind the scenes and that it's quote engineered on and on it goes. So, I mean, you're not even saying they're lying. I mean, you're saying they're questioning things and they have theories. This is what's dangerous in America today when it comes to CNN. They're dangerous and they have theories. But on Wednesday, the article says Diamond and Silk posted a tweet that read, the only way we can become immune to the environment, we must be out in the environment. Quarantining people inside their houses for extended periods will make people sick. Which part well, I mean, of that is untrue? I mean, it, it, it's it's if you 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 can be certain 
that if you never encounter another human being again, that you won't get the virus. So, I mean, I kind of get where CNN's coming from here. Uh, you know, if it, it may be what they're trying to do is just convince everybody, uh, you know, everyone just go kill yourself and you won't get coronavirus. Maybe that's it. Perhaps if you if you want to be able to go back to society and function, then, yes, you're going to, you know, functioning in society means being exposed to all sorts of things that can harm you. And most of life is finding ways to get over it or or get around it. And and, you know, have being near people who have gotten over this virus and, you know, then maybe, uh, you know, deep throat kissing them or something to to get their antibodies. Is that how that works? I don't know. Something like I'm not that. a doctor. Don't take medical advice from Sir Pemrose. He's just an opinionated old man who happens to always be right, but he is not a doctor. Yeah, not not technically. Although, I mean, you could probably get a doctorate somewhere pretty cheap. People are doing weird things for money. It, the article then says Twitter promptly took action against the tweet for violating its rules against coronavirus misinformation. I'm not sure what the misinformation was. It says the suggestion from the Fox News personalities is clearly dangerous. People should not be out in the environment. Um, but you're, uh, you're yeah, always welcome in, to Earth. You're always in the environment. <laughs> you're always in the environment. <laughs> and as you said, human beings are a resilient thing. We have lived for a long time, and we've gone through other plagues like this, viruses like this. And it doesn't mean that everybody's going to live through it. But herd immunity works. That enough people get the virus. They get immune to the virus. And the more people that are immune to the virus, the slower it spreads. Because if somebody's infected, comes up against a bunch of people who've already had it, they're not getting reinfected unless you believe some of the new sites that say you can be reinfected with this, but that's still junk science as far as I can tell. Yeah, that's, that's not how viruses work. No, but they want you to believe that because the fear mongering has to be, it has to be in full force. It says, but while Twitter was the responsible outlet, and declined to allow Diamond and Silk to spread this hazardous misinformation on their platform, Fox News fell silent. I sent Fox News a request for comment, but I never heard back. Apparently, the request was not even worth a reply. I don't think CNN no. understands Jim Acosta works for them. I mean, this is ridiculous. This uh, is I don't know. I can't really engage on this because I have so little respect for for CNN. I, it's kind of the same as Twitter. It's like I you know that everything that comes from CNN is garbage. You know, everything that comes from Twitter is garbage. Why are you wasting attention on these idiots? I just think it is hilarious that it's like what's the Dutchism that Adam always talks about? What what you accuse me of? You are guilty of yourself. That yeah. is in full, full, full view here on cnn and uh it's kind of sad but it's it's kind of really twitter taking people going well maybe this was genetically engineered maybe the numbers aren't right and questioning these things when people come out and straight out lie about something i could almost have your back on some of this stuff but questioning things like saying well how do we know the numbers are legit how do we know it maybe it's way worse maybe it's way better well, you can't have that well, conversation anymore. Why do you hate science, Darren? I don't know. Because science is a pain in the ass and nobody wants you, to do it you right. Keep, you keep asking questions. That's not how science works. <laughs> no, that is how science works. You keep oh, asking right, questions. Oh, right. It is. That's exactly how science is supposed to work. 
But uh, asking questions is completely against the religion of scientism. That is is what is followed by all of these people who you know what's the the Doctor Kiki clip they always like to come to pull out. Shut Shut up up already! already. It's science. And yeah, that that's not how science works. Which is what we've always said when we talked about global warming many many episodes ago, and other things I believe where the people that want to stop discourse, that want to stop debate, that want to stop the conversation, are usually the ones that are full of crap. In, in in fact, that's that's the easiest way to tell whether somebody if if they use the word science, whether they're talking about the actual scientific method or they're talking about the religion of people who are adherent to this secular faith that seems to be sweeping the nation is do they shut down conversation or are they receptive to conversation, argument, ideas and questions? Yes. The candidate that says, I'll debate you anytime, anywhere about anything will get me to at least look at them. I don't care what side they're on. The candidates, you know, like they were claiming with Joe Biden going, well, we're not we're not going to debate Trump because he's not even worth my time. Those are the people you go. Oh, yeah. You you don't want to have a discourse. Why? Oh, it's it's that's terribly close minded. Well, then Joe would actually still have to have a mind, which I'm not sure he does. I, I'm sure he does. I don't think he's he's I, it, I mean, yes, the his ailment is progressing, but I don't think he's been completely zombified yet. They have the little he's earpiece able, in. He can repeat he's still words. able to occasionally form sentences. <laughs> they don't always make sense, but sure. But one of the things, well, actually, seven of the things, according to an article on the Hacker News here, which this shouldn't surprise anybody. Seven ways hackers and scammers are exploiting the coronavirus. You can't let any good tragedy, any good pandemic go to waste. And these are things which we've talked about before. So this isn't a, you know, anything. Why should the government be the only people taking advantage of the crisis and 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 they are scam people and claiming they are a lot of a lot of power and even people that understand the threat of a pandemic where you don't know the true deadly nature of the virus, which is how this all started, that the knee-jerk reaction to do more is an understandable thing. But then as more and more data comes in, more and more people are going to start questioning, well, unless you're shut down, like Diamond itself, for daring to question. Because I think even people who are very much so in the libertarian point of view which I think we're both in that in that frame of mind that if there is a deadly outbreak going on and the government says, hey, everybody needs to shelter in place, you get why it's being done and you're not going to immediately run out and be like, this is the government trying to totally take all of our freedoms. Not immediately. Because I, I think I did actually do that immediately. <laughs> OK, but, you, oh, uh, go on. you may be more of the crackpot then. That, that's that, not really that's not a surprise. Yes, I'm trying. But, you know, as more and more data comes in and you're hearing things like uh, Seattle, their tent hospital never had anybody to actually have a patient and they're breaking it down and sending it somewhere else where it might be needed. There was no doubt at this point that the the original numbers were way off and people want this was uh, Mark Levin yesterday said what I really want to know from the federal government is. 
you know, what's the end game here? We need to be given an answer and nobody's totalitarianism. You know, well, yes, but they're not going to say that. But you need to tell people at, we're getting to that point now where people are like, OK, at first we're going to listen. We're going to shelter in place. We're going to do what we can. So our parents and grandparents and everything can stay healthy while this thing rages on. But as time goes on, people start getting a little more antsy and they want answers. And you can't just say, well, hey, we're keeping everybody safe. You have to keep staying in home, you know, in your house. Eventually, you have to give, even if it's not an exact date at this point, we do need an idea of when all of these shelter in place orders are going to be done. And we need to have an idea of more than that. Well, what's the plan? Once you lift this, because it's not go back to normal. This is not something like, you know, you were a kid sitting in the corner to do your time because you did something bad and now you can go back and play with the other kids. No, the world is not going to be the same place immediately after these shelter in place things are lifted. The virus is still going to be out there. People are scared. You're hearing a lot about businesses maybe going back to work where they're going to take temperatures, you know, when employees get to the workplace every nope. day, which is not really that effective. Nope, that's 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 a privacy violation. No, nope. <laughs> you know, it's well, it's a privacy violation and it's not that effective because a lot of people that have this virus don't necessarily even have a fever, you know, sometimes just at the beginning, but sometimes never do, even though they're infectious. Uh, I don't believe that anybody's yeah. going to pay the money, although they're coming out with these tests now that they claim will give you results within five minutes i I think that you know places like i told my wife like disney world if they're going to open up they have enough money where they might invest in these tests and this will be another privacy grab i'm sure but the government might give them a break on these just to get the data that if you want to go into disney world well here we give you the five minute test if you get the green light you go in otherwise you don't go in and i think we're going to start seeing this stuff and you're right it is a major privacy I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, I get that. I'm, I'm definitely, this is the crackpot end of the spectrum here, but when people start trying to take my DNA swab or, or stick a Q-tip up my nose just to walk into a building, I don't need to walk in that fucking building. And also shame on you for fucking up people's privacy for no reason other than wild suspicion. That that is where you get governmental regimes, the kind like like Soviet Russia, the kind like Nazi Germany, the ones where the government came in and stomped on everybody's rights and said, this is for your own good. How do you think that at the risk of of invoking Godwin's law, how do you think that the Nazis came to power in Germany? They, They did. First of all, they brought Germany back from the ruin that was World War One. They instituted a bunch of public-private partnerships. They got the government and corporations in together to put a whole bunch of public money into economic building. Uh, They elected a populist who was wildly popular because he was proposing that we make everything good in the country again. And then they started controlling people. Then they started... this playbook is visible to anybody who knows history. Well, okay. The the kind of people who actually have understood history from uh, multiple sources, the way it happened and not just the kind of history that says the civil war was about slavery and nothing else. But yeah. Okay. Public I, safety. I lost, 
Those are the words, right? That's the yes. most dangerous words that are being uttered right now because one, when it's a legitimate threat, you have to take it seriously when it's public safety. The question is, how much does that get pushed beyond what it should be? And that's what we're going to have to answer moving on from this virus, because as we all know, 9-11 brought us the Patriot Act because public safety, which also took down a whole lot of privacy, which also was done in the guise of, well, everybody, we're just trying to keep you safe. And we all know the Benjamin Franklin quote, we've said it multiple times on the show, those who are willing to give up any bit of their privacy, right, or security for um okay now I'm, okay we i'm joe bidening right now those 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 who would give up essential liberties for a little bit of temporary security de- deserve neither yeah do you, do you turn into joe biden when you hit 50 i mean maybe that I, what's I, it? I i don't know but if so i've got about eight years of sanity remaining good then you can keep us on the track for at least the the next eight oh, years you don't want to put that on me <laughs> We're going to be off the rails quicker than you can. Somebody uh, posted something about how much you trusted the government or something along those lines on Twitter. And the best response, I believe it was Twitter. Maybe it was no agenda social uh, because it was a great line. Like, what do you trust more than, you know, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi or whatever? And the answer was, I would trust Michael J. Fox with a live grenade more than (laughs) whatever it was. And I'm like, that's yeah. That's serious, but we're not making fun of Parkinson's. I, I, trying to anthropomorphize the government is is the root of a pretty major fallacy that that is just common everywhere in our, our society. Uh, you can't trust the government because the government is not a person. It is not a, a thing. It, it is a statistical collection of a very, very large number of bureaucrats. And the only question the question should not be, do you trust the government? The question should be, do you trust all of those bureaucrats who each of whom has the ability to either help you out or infringe your rights? Do you trust every single one of the bureaucrats and politicians and and cops with guns who make up the government? And in order to trust the government, you have to believe that every single one of them has your best interests in mind. And I understand that statistics is not well taught in schools these days, but that's a lot of people and a lot of points of failure. Oh, it is. And the politicians don't trust each other. (laughs) And they're at the top of the food chain of control. So there's that. And we know they will do things to intentionally hurt the other side, which is why this two-party system is failing miserably because it's no longer done in a spirit of cooperation for three years. And then we go do one year of mean elections where we try to win. It's become nonstop sniping. And I, I trust the cops way more than I trust the, uh, the people in Congress. But I, I guess the, the lower you are on the food chain, the more I trust you. Well, it, the, for the most part, most cops are people. Uh, most. You, well, there are robot cops now. Most cops are are normal everyday people. Uh, I mean, again, it's it's a statistical comparison uh, because you can't. It infuriates me whenever somebody takes and anthropomorphizes some statistical group of people, no matter who it is, all men, all women, all blacks, all you know, purples. all Sir uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, 
um, you can make value judgments and and generally treat an individual as human. You can't treat a group as human. You are guaranteed because any any group that you have defined is going to be statistically not uniform. Uh, you can't make generalizations about a group without being straight up wrong. It's a fallacy. You can't you can't assume anything about a group. You can only know things about an individual, which is why people need to be judged based on what they do and not by what demographic group you've dumped them in. Blitzed in the troll room suggest you're not infuriated but infuriated <laughs> it happens <laughs> and you're missing out so on all you, the fun if you're not in the troll room during these shows live 11 a.m central fridays no stream.com you you mentioned that you know what what is the end game to this quarantine and uh people are in fact still getting uh really kind of sick of the the unending quarantine especially you know the a cower in place order everybody says shelter in place but they're they really want you to cower it's stay stay a fear stay afraid people uh there are people however uh and and not surprising that this is in some of the places where government trust is is at a low uh that are starting to really push back um there was a first amendment gathering uh in idaho um where they they called it a liberty rebellion and now i don't have oh i closed the tab so i'm not going to give you any details on it other than the link but uh another one was uh there was a uh the life tabernacle church in louisiana where 500 people went in to worship because that's their normal lives it's what they do and in both cases this is a violation of the don't gather order and you know the 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 shut up slave edicts are not being obeyed by all of these governors who are uh, clearly violate there there's two freedoms that the first amendment to the constitution of the united states guarantees that the government shall not be allowed to infringe and one of them is the right to peaceably assemble and one of them is the right to freedom of religion and these people who are getting together in violation of these illegal orders are exercising their first amendment rights and I totally applaud that. And and I think that more people need you, you know how we get out of this this scare is well we've already passed the what, what did they say 3 weeks or period or whatever and we need to start moving on to our normal life and maybe now is not yet the time and maybe I'm early on this. I I've been early on a lot of fads. Uh but at some point, we need to, whether or not our uh, esteemed dictators have decreed that we are allowed to go back to our normal lives or whether we have to just uh, cower in place like frightened slaves, uh, at some point, we have to just practice civil disobedience and, and go be humans again, or we're going to lose our humanity. We're going to lose what makes us uh, uh, free people. A lot of us aren't free anymore, but that's that's a, currently still a mental state. Uh, if it's me, okay, granted, I'm an introvert. I don't have any reason, and a podcaster, I don't have any reason to leave my house at all. But you know what? When I want to leave, nobody's fucking stopping me. I'm going. Maybe the cops will stop me, but they're going to have to fucking shoot me in order to convince me never to leave my house again. That might happen too. 
And if it does, I'll let you know by not showing up to Grumpy Old Ben's. Right. Well, we'll be in the next news story on Grumpy Old Ben's will be uh, will be a little bit sad. Podcaster shot dead for taking a walk. Uh huh. Well, one, the things you're saying sound dangerously like what Diamond and Silk said that got them banned. The the kind of thing that would get me banned from Twitter. Yes, it does. sound. I'd like like to see him try the religious freedom. Interestingly enough, this is the biggest Christian weekend of the year this is easter weekend today's good friday easter sunday is this sunday which is normally is when, a good friday isn't it yeah this is when normally the churches are filled i mean for the catholics anyway easter and christmas are the two days that the people that even don't normally go to church go so it's an interesting thing i know somebody a few weeks ago i, I don't remember exactly where it was and i'm i was surprised that any areas of the united states although i guess with the more rural areas they may still exist where the churches were using drive-in theaters, which I thought was a fantastic idea if people wanted to get out and you just pull your car up, put the little speaker in, wipe them things off with Clorox. But yeah, the the concept that we need to know what the end game is and to start being given some idea of what the differences are going to be once your shelter in place is lifted, I don't see things like Major League Baseball going back to having full stadiums as a matter of fact major league baseball is talking about playing the whole season all 30 teams in arizona where there are a ton of ballparks because of spring training and they play all 30 all 30 teams play all of their games in arizona while under a self-imposed quarantine which is just a bizarre thing to even think about Listen, if Major League Baseball wants to preside over their own destruction, uh, I'll watch for the entertainment value, but it's not going to hurt my feelings. No, I mean, I don't miss any of this stuff, which is kind of an interesting thing, especially once the eye surgery started a few years ago. I mean, I start doing things differently. Stop watching baseball. Stop really watching a lot of sports. So I don't miss. I know a lot of people are going through withdrawals, whether it's NASCAR, whether it's basketball with baseball now should be starting up hockey. I don't miss any of it. And like you, I don't leave the house much anyway. So this to me, I don't really feel any different. In a normal week, I would maybe go out twice a week and we'd go to lunch and go do grocery shopping and stuff like that. But, you know, not going out to work, not like, oh, this is a whole different thing. I can't believe I can't leave the house. I don't really notice much of a difference. So maybe we are horrible people to give a, an opinion on what's going on with this. Cause you know, shelter in place is kind of what I've been doing for a few years now. <laughs> it's, I saw, saw a great line said, uh, uh, extroverts, don't worry. This will pass. You'll get over it. It'll get better to just calm down. Introverts. Stop laughing. They're <laughs> new to this whole thing. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, I can't leave the house. Oh, okay, I don't care. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. it's, it's happened a few times to me to where it's like, yeah, my car sits in the garage and you go out. Oh, it, it's not starting. It's been a few months since I started it. You know, it's, uh, it, it, yeah. It, yeah, I don't, I don't miss it. And I don't miss the sports and I don't miss anything with new TV or new movies. I've been watching old Star Trek and old television series before this whole sure. thing started. And I have them all on my NAS. So if Hulu goes away or Netflix, I don't, I'm not going to cry. I got my own content. I don't need to worry about that. The, the, the advice that I have given, I've given on this show in the past, not that anybody listens to me. Uh, 
about entertainment options is if you can change your mindset, everybody has a mindset of, of, you know, Oh, the, the latest game of Thrones came out. I, well, there, I don't, is game of Thrones still on? No, that's not on the air. No, it's done. I'm I'm a couple years old. I, I, I don't even know what shows are coming out because of course I've done this change, but you need to change from, I have to watch the latest, greatest thing that everybody else is watching right now to change it to, I feel like being entertained right now. I'd like to watch something good. And the options out there for something good are incredible. There is so much out there to watch that is good. That is, is worth watching is all right. And you're, your entertainment, uh, your ability to become entertained becomes immensely better once you stop going, yeah, I absolutely have to watch the latest episode of Picard. It, that one's still in, playing, right? I, I, the first season's I over. Have I, to, I haven't watched any because okay, Nick I the Rat. That one too. Yeah, Nick the Rat assured <laughs> me on Twitter that Picard sucked. Some people seem okay. to love it. Well, well it, it, imagine there's some show that is coming out episodically and, uh, you know, I, I have seen plenty of places where they're like, yeah, when you want to watch this, it's you you can only do it at this time appointment viewing it. And, and I, oh, geez, I can't make it. Oh, I tried to DVR it. But now the company won't let me remove the ads in the DVR because they have <laughs> extra flags. I, there's so much out there. And and I got to this from sports. So I guess I'll, I'll transition to that. Uh, if you have to watch your local team, if you have to watch the White Sox Major League Baseball games. <laughs> And they're not playing them anymore. And that's the only way you can possibly be entertained. Congratulations. You're screwed and you're in for a really poor time. But if you just want to see something cool, you want to see, you know, so, you know what? If, if you want to see some baseball, if you want to play some baseball, go down to your local park. They're fucking empty because nobody is there. <laughs> You'll get arrested. Get two or three of your people. Well, <laughs> that. That happened in Colorado. Yeah, with like a, a story guy with about, this six-year-old girl, right? Yeah, dude who was handcuffed <laughs> in front of his six-year-old girl because he was playing t-ball in an empty damn park. But you know what? One dude getting arrested in Colorado, that is because there's a really shitty cop out there. A thousand people getting arrested because every one of them is like, you know what? These are all people that I've been hanging out with anyway. I like them and none of us have the damn virus and there's nobody in the park and we don't have any chance of making anything worse let's go have some fun it's springtime it has been sunny as shit here in the pacific northwest for the last two weeks it's driving me crazy bring back my rain and go out and enjoy yourself it enjoy the weather and i'm sorry if you're in australia and the weather is it's fall and everything's turning shitty then you know you guys are always backwards with your seasons get over it you need some legislation for that but it's nice out you want baseball go make baseball you don't have to have mlb you have video games that's almost the same and i'm convinced <laughs> i'm convinced now that nascar one of these or i think actually maybe uh open wheel racing too they were doing these virtual races and getting some of the stars of the sports to have these virtual races and putting them on and it's like with the computer generated cars you can't tell the difference so as long as you don't don't have fans in the stands anyway you can do all that stuff virtually why not the um you have plenty of entertainment options including on the no agenda stream and all the shows that are on there jason 13 and the troll room mentions 
that Nick the Rat is going to be doing a John McAfee interview. And I know this is a surprise because Crimerica's done a John McAfee interview. That Larry show's done a John McAfee interview. John McAfee is on Twitter asking people. He's very bored. He wants to and, talk and to here, podcasters. And, and here at Grumpy Old Ben's, we're going to buck the trend by not having John McAfee on. That's the question. You, Everybody How, in the troll, do you think we should? Because I don't know what more we can find out from this guy that hasn't been on every one of these shows. And I question this. Can Sir Bemrose and McAfee coexist for more than like 10 minutes without one of them telling the other to fuck off? And even if it did happen, would that be good Grumpy Old Ben's content? That might be great Grumpy Old Ben's content. (laughs) So I don't know that I don't know that we have to have John McAfee. I mean, McAfee has said on all the other shows, all the interesting stuff that he wants to say. Um, Here is here's the guests that I think would be interesting to come on in the wake of the John McAfee interviews. And that is we could have Larry on the show. We could have Nick on the show. We could have uh, Graham and Darren from Grimerica on. Uh, I, I uh, we could have all these podcasters who've interviewed him, and it would probably be a much more interesting conversation. That may be. So that's that's kind of where I was curious. I know I was early on, so we should try to get him. But then he was saying things like, "Well, we want podcasts with at least a thousand subscribers," and that's not really our metric yet. But I mean, we're getting there. But the latest one was 5,000, and sadly, Nick doesn't have that, but he's doing Nick's. And uh, so he's doing shows that are small. I guess if you have an interesting angle, and I would talk to him if we had an interesting angle. I'd want to go at it in some way nobody has, at least not that we've heard about. You know, I want his opinions on something that you normally don't get it on, and we'll have to give that some thought because I bet we could get him on the show I'm sure it would be entertaining. You're not following him on Twitter because you don't have that site, but I, it turns out I'm not following anyone on Twitter. He posts anyway. some very interesting videos. I mean, he's a very interesting guy. He's, uh, you know, a bit on the, uh, you know, it's hard to tell sometimes just how far out these ideas are, if he's playing them up or if this is just him, but no matter what, he's a very entertaining guy. I just want to know how we could oh we, we'd have to digi guru says we'd have to watch the mcafee documentary so there would be some work but we'll work on uh, it that obviously like, he's bored. that sounds like effort yeah but obviously he's bored and he wants to talk to podcasters and I, i'd highly recommend checking out those episodes but you're right we should probably get nick the rat on first and i want to hear what he's going to uh be asking mcafee and larry's always interesting to talk to you think we can do you, do you think we have enough time to indoctrinate nick the rat to as, ask all of our questions that could be a good idea too i mean just give him a couple things that c- to kind of test the waters and see if he can get mcafee to uh <coughs> to break and uh just have a little bit of fun with it but back to the topic at hand and if you want to hear you- john mcafee please reach out to us at uh, darren at grumpyoldbenz.com and let us know so do you know who the League for Increased Transparency and Ethics are? League for like, like many political Transparency. Le- and they, ethics. they call themselves the League for Increased Transparency and Ethics. And it uh it sounds like a pretty good uh you know a, a public facing organization. But like every political organization, uh their their name is usually propaganda and, and doesn't mean anything. Uh this is the group from Seattle. Uh, who are the first group to sue Fox News for calling coronavirus a hoax. 
And I think there's going to be a lot of this coming on. So I wanted to, I, I wanted to just throw that out there as, uh, what is your position on actually bringing legal suits for, for, uh, reporting being fake for fake news? Well, this is very much so like the diamond and silk article from CNN business, because it's simply not true. I don't watch Fox News 24-7, but I think I can reasonably bet a large amount of money that they never uttered the words, this virus is a hoax. The same thing that is getting attributed to the president, which said the way the Democrats are portraying the virus is a hoax, but this is where words mean things. This is where sound bites kill. This is really where sound bites kill because, as with grumpy old bands, I mean, there's quite often we've had a funny little show opener that, taken out of context, gives you a completely different viewpoint. Like when we were talking yeah, about, I've been, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Yeah. You keep make taking things out of context to make me sound like an asshole. No, no, that's just you, but. I'm sorry, you, you take things where I sound like an asshole. <laughs> and oh, use them, man, yes. But that's it. I mean, that's kind of like saying uh, when you're like, oh, well, back in Nazi Germany, they thought Hitler was fantastic. And what they would quote you from, you know, that the, the audio you would pull from that would be Hitler was fantastic. And that would be spread around that. Well, Ryan Bemro said Hitler was fantastic. Well, no, the full quote was, well, back in Nazi Germany, they thought Hitler was fantastic. Well, that's the problem with gotcha journalism that's the problem with taking things out of context that's the problem with people living in that 140 character world our brains have gone to mush and people cannot see the larger picture and it's getting sad that this is what the world has come to and and to be clear the solution to gotcha journalism is not any kind of enforcement and it is certainly not the google and twitter method of trying to shut down whatever opinion you don't personally agree with. The solution is for everybody out there to develop some healthy skepticism and realize that when somebody is talking to you, you need to put up your bullshit filter and go, is this something that I should just accept as is, or, or should I give it a little bit of critical thought and maybe go, why would this person be talking to what? Who is paying this person to say this to me? What political angle are they bringing to this conversation? Why, you know, what, what are they, what do they have to gain by trying to misinform me? And if people would just start thinking about that, you'd see this kind of journalism die really fast. And it should, because this is um, recently Trump had it out with a reporter for only using part of a quote which in this case, I think they played it on no agenda. I saw it elsewhere that Trump's quote in one of these briefings he was having was, well, I hope people like me because if they like me, then these guys behind me or Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci, everybody that's working on this, you know, they're validated because they're the ones that are doing all the work. They're the ones putting in the effort, but you know, I get to take the credit. So I hope people like me because that means these people are doing their job. And the only thing that was reported by CNN was, I hope people like me. And they didn't go on. And Trump is, you know, the minute they asked him about this, he's like, well, you're not, you know, you're not giving the full thing. And the guy then reads the full quote to him. 
And Trump's like, yeah, but you left that out. And the guy still didn't understand what he was doing, which again is so <laughs> yeah. very sad for a, you know, air quotes, journalist that I, you th could. That's they've stopped doing journalism. They stopped years ago. <laughs> these these are not journalists anymore. They are opinion pieces. They, they are they are one sided people who are shouting opinions at you and pretending like they're journalism. Yes, and, and they're asking yeah. questions to try to promote their own agenda, the, what they want to push. It's very rare to get a question. Jim Acosta actually asked a decent question the other day, and Trump was like, oh, that's valid. And it's like, wow, is the world ending? Because that's, uh, you know, that's every not once in a while. If somebody engages in conversation with in good faith, then every once in a while, people might forget that they're supposed to hate each other and start communicating again. It's weird when that happens. Normally, I go to podcasts for that. Yeah, nobody in this uh, in the White House press briefing room, none of these journos have ever asked, you know, what can we do to help? Not one, I don't believe. Or, you know, what can we tell people? That would be helpful. They're all still playing the game with the president because almost everybody in there has a bias against Donald Trump. And the one news organization, One American News, they had the reporters for a brief point kicked out of there, which is why the other day the girl from One American News was standing in the back and didn't even have a chair because the whole system for how the White House press briefings work is totally politicized and you would think the white house would have full control over that but it uh, turns out no about who they let in and you, you have know to. the worst thing what the worst thing that donald trump ever did to the mainstream news organizations was tweet he realized that he could communicate with the public without going through these gatekeepers and the mainstream newspapers and tv news and news organizations have been the gatekeepers they you know why why does trump even bother with white house press conferences they, it, it's it's an anachronism it's obsolete uh, he he could just talk to the people them himself directly nobody needs cnn nobody needs msnbc nobody needs fox news this is the most horrible thing that the modern era and trump in particular have done to these news stations that that he could have is is not your fake news it's i don't need you right the technology is there uh, it, we're broadcasting live right now audio but we could also do video it's yeah, not hard to do it doesn't cost anything the, we're not going through the mainstream news either and people can Thank get God. the message all they have to do is subscribe and they can find out the president can go live anytime audio video anytime he wants and talk to the world not just the american people which is it also a very interesting thing which is why countries like china and iran block things there's firewalls to block content coming in block apps coming in uh in sources so this uh this concept that the media is needed anymore probably gonna keep getting worse if they don't start doing their jobs every now and then there was a story i don't remember what it was uh bill o'reilly was talking about it but it was something that was oh it was about the ventilators that new york had they had a stockpile of ventilators i guess the company that had made them this was back like maybe three or four years ago but the company that made them went out of business or they stopped making that particular model 
whatever it was, they knew that to maintain these things, they weren't going to be able to get parts anymore or whatever. So they auctioned off all of these ventilators. But all you're hearing on the news right now is, oh, New York needs ventilators. Trump sucks. He's not getting us ventilators. Well, it turns out New York State had a bunch of ventilators or maybe actually may have been New York City. They had the ventilators, sold them all off, didn't replace them when they sold them all off three or four years ago. And the thing that was the most interesting about that story was it was actually a left-leaning um, site that broke the story. And I'm like, you know what? That's journalism. That's what all these sites should be. I don't care what your bias is. Go back to the old days where the Peter Jennings and all of these, you know, Edward R. Murrow, all these news guys, you know, they had a bias, but they reported the truth. And I will applaud. I'll read the left-leaning news sites if they're honest and they go after their own as well as the other side. That's how it's supposed to work. Okay, you guys still hearing me on the stream? Did we just drop Sir Bemrose? We lost Sir Bemrose. Bemrose is gone. Well, this will just be a better show now if Sir Bemrose is gone. We have welcomed the deplatforming of Sir Bemrose. He said something wrong that the overlords didn't like. And as we wait for Sir Bemrose to reconnect, let's just talk about what's been going on. This article, again, this was from the Hacker News. The seven ways hackers and spammers are exploiting the coronavirus public. And the first is with mobile malware. And this is a Sir Bemrose. He would love to be here for this topic because he always tells you, don't do applications. Don't install applications. Never. They're never good. You never want to do it. Checkpoint Research uncovered at least 16 different mobile apps which claim to offer information relating to the coronavirus outbreak, but instead, drumroll please, contained malware, including adware, banking trojans, and ones that stole users' personal information or generated fraudulent revenue from premium rate services. So yeah, you don't want apps. Sir Bemrose, where are you, Sir Bemrose? Do we need to stop the tape? Refresh your browser. Yes, we're trying. Sir Bemrose in the troll room. Says we're just trying some things that might help improve the grumpy old Ben's experience, which is, you know, less Bemrose, the better. I mean, at least he can listen because he can listen to the stream. That's all fine. Email phishing, another problem, of course. And people should know this by now, too. How don't you realize that if you get something in an email, you should probably not believe it, even if it looks like it came from your bank or whether it looks like it came from, you know, whatever it is. Anybody, Apple, I get a lot of these on accounts that I don't have an Apple account attached to that want to get me to sign into iTunes and do all sorts of fun things. Never trust anything that you get in an email. And that should be quite obvious to everybody listening to Grumpy Old Ben's. Now, so no apps and do not believe anything you get in the email. And I think we have Bemrose back. Are you there? No, 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 no. I heard your voice again. Yes. I was. It was so nice. A beautiful. Si oh, hi. You just dropped right off, but that's okay because I just right kept on. going. I'm a professional. I, I can I, do a show without you. And I do. Randomthoughts.com. It, it was four and a half minutes ago that I put the line in says, I think I've been disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you see, this, this, this is, I hate editing so much that I knew if I just kept talking, I really don't even have to edit the final version. 
this is uh, <laughs> this is the you, way to go uh, you could i i was speculating that you were just trying some things that might improve people's grumpy old ben's experience yes less bemrose better experience but i was just well, in your in your uh, absence we just talked about how people are trying to use apps and phishing emails to mess with people due to the coronavirus and i anybody that's listening to us should know these things already but maybe you want to remind your relatives who maybe are don't less tech savvy apps. right don't install yeah. apps don't believe anything you get in an email no matter how good they look yeah e- even even if somebody is trying to give you 18 million dollars from an ethiopian prince believe it or not that probably didn't happen Number th- Although I heard I heard of this one guy that it actually happened to where it was a legitimate offer and he threw it away as spam. And also, I just made up that story. You make up a lot. Number three, though. Yeah. The, the nice thing is the people that are doing illegal things, they're offering discounted off the shelf malware. Group IB's research also found more than 500 posts on underground forums. I guess we need to go to the underground forums where users offered. Right coronavirus discounts and promotional codes on ddos spamming and other malware services so right now if you need to get some malware services if you're looking i saw a great (laughs) uh, i saw a great automated ad that said something like somebody had done a search for coronavirus and and the top result which you know if if you're going to one of those awful search engines like google the top result's always an ad and the top result was like it was from eBay saying, get coronavirus here fast and cheap. <laughs> like that. Hey, that's a service. I mean, I guess if you have it and somebody wants it, maybe that's you, uh, know, you want to get the virus and get over yeah, it. Because because if you're if you're desperate to get the virus, it's actually pretty hard. You can go wander around the city in the streets and like, where is everyone? Somebody cough on me. You're like, damn it. I want this. And it's it's weird because the numbers and I know we haven't done a lot of testing when it comes to the amount of the complete population but even in places like italy now i mean they're still showing like maybe one percent of the population is a confirmed case with the virus which we just need more testing i guess which is why the numbers have to be questioned but other things going on number four on this list sms phishing again if you're a grumpy old ben's listener you should know and one of the examples they gave with this you should know this is fake when this comes into your phone, urgent UK Gov has issued a payment of 458 Great British Pounds to all residents as part of its promise to battle COVID-19. Tap here to apply. And of course, the link you go to, not good. Who falls uh, for that? What, I, I, I do have a, a suggestion for anybody. Uh, if you get spam text messages, and, and I do this all the time, uh, if you get a an unsolicited text message uh there is uh, uh you can take the text of that message and you can send it to a number i want to say the number is 7724 but whatever it is it's spam on the phone keypad um but you grab just take the whole text of that message and you forward it as is to uh 7726 but it, I, I should pull out my phone and look at it, but I'm not going to because that would use involve research. But you take the whole text and send it to this, and they will send back saying, uh, "Thank you for your spam report. Please give the you know they'll they'll ask for a couple more pieces of information like the phone number that sent it to you and that. And if you if enough people do that, then uh, the carriers 
Well, some of them probably just completely discard it, but it actually worked when I was with Verizon for a while. Uh, the carriers will take that, and if they get enough reports from a number, they will shut down uh, the person spamming. And I have no idea if it works. I guess, uh, you know, if you want a good placebo, if you want to feel good, like you feel like somebody is is spamming you, then I don't know. It, it might be useful. It might not. It's, I had one uh, the other day said somebody was like, yo, hello, Ryan, do you want to sell your house at, at such and such address? And had it listed my address. So obviously they got my name from an open database somewhere. Oh, nice. Uh, and, you know, like if, if you're interested in selling, we pay cash now. And I'm like, no, I live here, you fuckhead. <laughs> but I didn't respond. I just sent the message on to the spam thing. So that way it's it's slightly more cathartic than just ignoring it, but doesn't have the downside of confirming to the spammers that you have a valid number. No, well, that's a good idea. Cause otherwise then they know they got you as long as the, whoever it's at the end of S P A M isn't just another spammer. Uh, well on mine, it's, it's definitely, you know, the phone company. Well, that is a good thing. And that there are apps, you now, know, that, now, if, if you this. consider them to be another spammer, then well, they may be, they may be your, uh, your brother may have a idea about that, but uh, other things going on, of course, face mask and hand sanitizer scams. I guess that should go without uh, without saying toilet paper. Yeah, well, that too. Can you buy your toilet paper online at very low, low, low prices? And then yeah. more malicious software, ransomware attacks, and th those are running rampant again. And that's funny because I know we had gotten those through the No Agenda server before the. The emails, and again, this goes along the same lines that we were just talking about. Don't believe anything you get in an email, but the emails are running around again. I guess, especially since everybody's just sitting at home alone, maybe all the guys with is, uh, oh, we know you went to Pornhub or whatever porn site they're using, and you downloaded and then enjoyed yourself. We activated your webcam and we have video. Send us $1,900 in Bitcoin. Otherwise, we will release the video. Do people yeah. really fall for this? Well, my, my, my stock response to that sort of thing is, is, uh, if, if you do, then you're responsible for the widespread panic that happens when <laughs> people see pictures of me naked. They should run, run, run away. So yes, don't believe anything you get in an email, but I guess it's interesting the different routes that they take to try to get money out of people. And I guess for, you know, guys, if you have laptops, here's, you know, the beauty of having a desktop machine is you don't have to have a camera hooked up, so you don't have that problem. I have a laptop that, uh, well, I haven't gone so far as to go in and electrically disconnect the camera, although I've thought about it, but uh, it absolutely has the electrical tape over the bezel. Nice. It's the Dvorak method. It has for years. Can I, can I say something about Dr. Fauci? Sure. I'm sure he's a very smart person and obviously he's he's really really good at what his job is uh to have held it down this long and his job is clearly to have held this job down for this long uh because he's really good at convincing people he's competent um I, I can't I can't trust him and it has nothing to do with his scientific chops it has everything to do with every single time I've heard his name in the last 20 years, it has been in the context of he's saying something uh, about some overblown virus scare to make people afraid. And, and in my mind, I can't disassociate him from 
news faces trying to make me scared of something that I should merely be cautious of. That I makes sense. I don't know if this, it, it, it maybe it's it, his doctor cried wolf is kind of what I have in my head now. And maybe this one's real. And maybe the last one was real when during the time. And maybe the time before that was definitely real at the time. And it, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anything he could do to, to get me to think of him as a scientist anymore, but he's, he's a bureaucrat and a talking face whose entire job is to try to scare the fuck out of me. And I'm getting sick of it. Who just happens to have patents on drugs, which may or may not. Oh, there's always conflicts of interest, but that's, yes. that's par for the course for Washington, DC. Also being in bed figuratively, I think only with Bill Gates, you got to have some questions there. The, I, possibly literally i did not turn on that webcam the quote from him which originally i thought this had to be a lie or somebody making up again because you were grumpy old bens and we tell you all the time don't believe the things you read on the internet always question because you don't know I'm unless you can always go back. question the things that you hear on a podcast too especially that is, this well one. yes but with on a website Unless you have an archive from like the Wayback Machine or a site you trust that has an archive, if a news story is up that says this is from 2017 and just happens to seem like it's really predicting something that's happening three years later, you have to do your homework because that article could have been written two minutes ago. You don't know. And yeah, there was a or, or it could have been written three years ago and they just recycled it. Well, but this was Anthony Fauci in 2017, I believe, saying that there was no question that this president and this administration was going to deal with like a pandemic, which is like, that's a yeah. really interesting, what do you call it, prognostication to make that so, in this one four-year period, you're saying, you know, this is going to happen. An interesting word about incentives. Uh, if if your job is to find something or do something, then in order to get paid, you have to do something, or or you you have to. <clears throat> maybe an example. Um, the uh, IPCC, the uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Um, the people who operate that issue a new report about climate change every single year in those reports, you will never, ever, ever find any kind of skepticism as to whether or not climate change is happening. Why? Because if you were a bureaucrat in a department called the intergovernmental panel on climate change, and you determine that there is no climate change, you are out of a job. You yes. don't have a job. You, you, if somebody is the, uh, you know, the, the minister of setting things on fire, that person is going to be setting things on fire. If somebody is the administrator of the center for disease control, his entire job and a reason for existence. And the thing you must expect out of this person is controlling disease. And if there aren't any diseases, you have to make one up to control because if there are no diseases, you're out of a freaking job. If if I'm not saying that everybody in this position is automatically making shit up, what I'm saying is that if if your job requires that there be a disease every three years that is going to end life as we know it on this pitiful little planet, 
then if that is what you get paid for, that is what you're going to find every time. Every single person who heads, you know, that that's why a, a lot of the environmental agencies like, uh, you know, the environmental protection, everything to do with environmental protection. These people, if if the environment is doing just fine without protection, they don't have jobs. Therefore, in order to exist, they have to go out and protect the environment, whatever they decide that's going to be. There's there's all kinds of places where it, it's I don't know. It's just a note on, on on when your job says you are here to do something, then by God, you're going to do it. And the idea that it doesn't need to be done will never even enter the equation. So it sounds like you're questioning the data. I question everything. Well, it's like New York. I mean, the stories. Oh, well, we're, we've hit the plateau. Although there is good news out of New York. I think they said now four days in a row, they've released more people from the hospital than have taken in, which is a plus. There are still people dying in New York, but. So, so how many people have they released from the hospital ship more than they've taken in? Well, I know the hospital ship, they accidentally brought coronavirus patients there and then people there got coronavirus and uh, yeah, that's not quite working out so well. But the intriguing thing for me is seeing these numbers like, well, a thousand people died of coronavirus in New York over the last each of the last two days. Now, if you go and look for the stats on an average day in New York before this, like seventy five hundred people die. So. Still an interesting number just to put into relation to what's going on now. And nobody really knows because as Dr. Burks now admitted, the new CDC guidelines are the same thing we talked about here, I think, about Italy. I know I talked about it on Random Thoughts that anybody with coronavirus in their system when they died is put down as a coronavirus death. So here in Chicago, gangs are still shooting at each other. There was a lot of gun crime this past week. If you get shot in a gang drive-by and you are otherwise healthy, but when they do your autopsy, it's, they it's, find- it's coronavirus with a side of lead poisoning. Yes. And that just makes the numbers. And then you wonder why people question the numbers and the validity of them, because we know that a lot of people that have this particular virus show no symptoms and never show symptoms. If you're one of those people perfectly healthy, even though the virus is in your system, and you get shot dead, yeah, you're going to be a coronavirus death. So you have to question these things, and you have to question the methodology. I don't wonder why anybody asks any questions. Asking questions is the first sign of the ability to think critically. Yes, and you should question. If anybody that tries to shut down your questions, they're the ones you should be very afraid of, as well as the ones who are using your privacy for a doormat. And these these two stories that a I pulled up. I want to know if you think these are related. Let me just read two headlines to you. You tell me if you think they're related. The first is Firefox now telling Mozilla every day what your default browser is. So every 24 hours, Firefox, no matter whether you're using it or not, is contacting the mothership, telling them what the default browser on your system is. And the second headline, Microsoft Edge is now the second most popular desktop browser beating Firefox. You think they're related? Well, uh, uh, first reactions uh, to the first story, Firefox is phoning home. Uh, not if my pie hole has anything to say about it. True. Uh, but uh, the Attempting my second to phone thought. Home. Yeah. My, my second thought is uh, 
Microsoft is just clearly discriminating against me because they won't even let me run Edge on my operating system. Oh, it's old. You still you're on seven, eight. Oh, eight. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. No. I've I've gone over this before. The biggest <laughs> complaint that everybody hates about Windows eight or eight point one is actually what I'm using is the start screen because they don't have a start menu. If you hit the the little windows key on your keyboard it erases everything you're doing and shows you a grid of icons as if your desktop is some kind of weird touch screen yes everybody hates that i don't use it i, I when i launch apps i run launch them from a command line window so what do i care <laughs> you're old school you're doing it the right way you're taking the control yourself and yeah i, I remember that because you asked me if i remembered what, why windows 8 sucked so much and everybody hated it and I never used that interface, so I totally, uh, I went from 7 to Windows 10. That's why I didn't go to 8. And that seemed yeah, to be fine. And I'm sorry about that. I, I apologize for your loss. You're welcome. The, yeah. But those two, do you think they're connected? I mean, Firefox is worrying me with this. We talked about a few weeks ago forcing people with, uh, by default, putting on so they would reroute the DNS to Cloudflare rather than through your DNS. And now they're installing a process which is running all the time in your system. Again, if you have a pie hole, probably blocked. And I'm sure there are ways to get rid of this process. But now, why? what does Firefox think it needs? What, what need well, of their people that are using Firefox that they have to have a process running all the time to report back what your uh, default I, browser is? And what else are they going to start reporting back? So having not read anything about the article or heard anything about that before this very moment, and when you read the headline to me before the show uh i have no idea what the actual implementation is so instead i'm just going to speculate wildly and uh, uninformed speculation coming ahead uh they probably don't need a separate process the process that they're using to report what your default browser is and send back is probably one that is already installed on your system that you are willingly launching all the time and that has internet connection and internet access because you're using it it's called firefox.exe it is probably just part of firefox now where they are scanning that shit and posting and reporting back uh in the grand scheme of things the question of what is your default that browser is it's telemetry it is uh analytics it is it, it is a privacy violation um, but no more than what all of the other software that you have going is now. Um, it, it, I imagine that the reason that it's a story is probably because it's new or because somebody just discovered it. But I, I assure you that, you know, this is the kind of thing Google has been doing forever. Um, you know, one thought that I had is, uh, why, why would Mozilla need to be collecting this information and sending it back manually? Well, maybe it just got too in too much money to be asking Microsoft for that information. Cause you guarantee windows 10 is sending your default browser back to them every five minutes because they're sending everything that they can find out about you, which is a lot because they're your operating system. They're sending a lot of damn data about you to Microsoft. So having one piece of information which frankly isn't even all that personal or compromising uh your default browser sent to mozilla doesn't sound life-threatening well it is a change this is why it's in the news this was a story on wednesday my birthday april 8th Fire this is from bleepingcomputer.com firefox 75 comes with a new telemetry agent and uh 
Reading further, after installing Firefox 75, which was released yesterday, so it was released April 7th, a new program named Default Browser Agent EXE is installed that will then send telemetry data back to Firefox every 24 hours. So this is regardless of whether you open Firefox or not. And oh, okay. That's a, uh, good. At <laughs> least they made it something easily blockable. Yes, they have. But it's like, okay, why are you doing this? Who do you think? You know, this is why you have to applaud people like the Brave Browser folks and other ones that are doing similar things. I know you talk about Chromium and, uh, and, and other browsers that are trying to strip all of this stuff down to keep your data in your hands rather than sending it in. Because this, to me, for somebody that really hasn't used Firefox much lately now that I've moved to Brave, this is just more annoying than anything else. Yeah, I know I can block it. But the fact that you're yeah. installing another process to do nothing but ping the mothership what my current default browser is, it's like, screw you, Firefox. Screw you, Mozilla. You're... It sounds inefficient, and and yes, it is objectively a, a privacy invasion because it's data about you being sent, and and it's probably a privacy invasion that their their EULA allows. I guess, I guess the 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 real thing I have to say about this story is, can you really complain about Firefox sending one bit of telemetry, and at the same time be running Windows ten? Well, you can try blocking all the stuff with Windows 10 as well, but this is something that you're kind of hopping into. I'm, and you- I'm running special software to block Windows 10 telemetry. Yeah. It's called Windows 8. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, you're just old school and you're grumpy and you're anti-Microsoft. We get it. I, well, I, I'm not entirely anti-Microsoft. I still use Windows. I still use some of their stuff. What What I have is an understanding of the culture at Microsoft and a distrust for any large organization. And that makes sense. But my main question then would be, what else are they going to start sending if they're not already? I guess if they are, you would know, but the fact that they're installing, you you know, that's going to be ramped up. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've installed a new, (laughs) a new program to do nothing but telemetry, you're probably going to be doing a little bit more. And it says the telemetry data is kept for 13 months. And your IP address listed it in their server logs. They're deleted every 30 days, allegedly. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, if whenever a company says we're collecting this data, but we promise to delete it, just uh, assume that they that that won't be deleted. Yeah. Uh, even if you implicitly trust what they're saying, even if you are absolutely certain that the person is not bullshitting you and they absolutely intend to delete it. Remember that databases leak, that information gets out, that that information gets copied, they might not be able to delete your personal data, even if they want to. And here's a hint. Data is worth a lot of money out there right now. They don't want to. Right. It's That's how they're making their money, which is an interesting other story we have in the docket is Cloudflare dumping recapture and using a brand new service, HCAPTCHA. I mean, everybody got to use CAPTCHA, I guess. but We've talked about this on the show. You were the one that pointed out everybody. Every time you run into one of these annoying little grids from the recapture from Google, you're basically programming their AI to recognize objects. And or in my case, I'm I'm spending a little bit of time intentionally trying to run <laughs> a self-driving car into a stop sign. Well, if you can do that, I mean that's what you can do for fun. I mean, I wouldn't want to be driving any self-driving cars. You got to entertain cars. yourself somehow. Yes. 
to fill the void of recapture, which I guess Google was wanting to charge them a ton of money for this <laughs> to keep using the the recapture service, which I don't quite get because I would think Google would be profiting from getting the data. But this new H captcha, they're they're going to pay for it, but they're going to pay a lot less. And allegedly, this is keeping your personal data, according to the uh, Cloudflare people, they collect only minimum necessary personal data. They are transparent in describing the information they collect, they that they and how they use or with how they disclose it. And they agreed to only use such data to provide the service to Cloudflare. So allegedly, this HCAPTCHA is the same functionality as Google's ReCAPTCHA, but they're not taking data from it. Or the, at least what they are, they're telling well, you what it is. Don't fool yourself into thinking that Cloudflare. Yes. I love Don't fool yourself into thinking that Cloudflare gives a shit about your privacy. Um, it, the the one thing that you said that was true in terms of motivation is they're paying less money. Uh, that said, I fully support uh, moving away from giving Google more leverage over your life and over the internet. Uh, so getting rid of you know I I actually got to the point where I will not I will not use any service or site that requires a recapture and it has kept me out of things uh it it is for example saved me from ever having to install discord on my phone <laughs> i hate them as somebody with really bad vision those things are the devil's work because they're never um, clear pictures and and, and digiguru if you think that the only valid porn is uh behind a captcha somewhere uh let me introduce you to reddit that's another horrible site uh, what about Zoom? It, it is a horrible site, but there's a lot of porn there that you don't need a captcha for. Are you using Zoom? Is, is you trusting them with your data? Hell no. We were we were early on this story. I don't even use a Zoom recorder. <laughs> At first, I thought they were connected. The first I heard of this Zoom service, oddly enough, if we go full circle back to John McAfee, when Larry from that Larry show had to interview him, this was what McAfee's uh, voiceover IP, this this your video meeting solution of choice and i wonder if it still is that's one thing i want to know from john mcafee are you still using zoom that because uh, i thought that was a very odd platform for him to want to use because we had heard little rumblings of this kind of a problem and nobody really realized how big of a problem this was until everybody had to start working at home and start using this even though there is open source solutions out there as we've talked about if you don't have a good dude named Ben, you don't have somebody to point you in the right direction. You don't know that you have solutions like meet.jit.si that you could run off of their site, which again, not secure at all in the sense that anybody can enter any room. They're not locked, but you can take that open source software, put it on your own server and lock it down. But I'm guessing because one of the stories on Zoom was that they're removing the meeting ID from the title bar as a way to boost security i'm guessing it's similar to the jitsi system which I, is if you go to jitsi you know meet.jit.c slash no agenda that room is always there so anybody that sees that address could now log in and hear what's going on see what's going on uh, so i'm guessing maybe zoom had the same type of thing going on where there's absolutely no security it's just you have a url 
and anybody with that URL, like the Zencaster that we used as well, anybody that has the correct URL gets into the room. I'm sorry. Did you say they are trying to improve privacy by changing their title bar? Yes. <laughs> that was their yeah, idea. I, anyway. I noticed, I noticed there's, there's big, you know, six foot long cracks in this dam that's about to breach. I'm going to slap a piece of duct tape on it. Kind of. And then run. That might give you an extra 30 seconds before the whole thing comes crumbling down. And maybe you can be out of the distance uh, before you. I, 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 the phrase too little too late is insufficient. Yes. That's kind of what I thought. You know, this is a service that was, I guess, doing fairly well before it was overwhelmed with people who um, the more something is used, like we've talked about with viruses. The more a service like this is used, the more incentive there are for people to go and look for holes. And they found them. They found a lot of holes. So if you're you stuck, don't say, yeah, you're stuck working at home. There are better solutions than in, Zoom. In fact, two, two weeks ago with doing almost no research whatsoever, just reading a couple articles and then reading their freaking privacy policy in EULA, I found a crap load of concerning things about Zoom and reported them on this very show. And I don't know anything. <laughs> there, okay, there's the cold opener. What time is it? I thought the cold opener was you saying something about Hitler being great. <laughs> no, I don't know anything. That's a perfect Bemrose opener. I mean, I might have it repeat itself over and over a few times first, just for <laughs> just for a fact. That's your, yeah, that's your new soundboard drop, I'm sure. Right. Along with Bill O'Reilly wishing me a happy birthday, which was very nice of him. The... A couple of things we also talked about before we, we wrap this thing up, as, as, along with we tell people never, well, you're much more hardcore. Don't install any apps. I'm also along that. Well, not as much. Don't, don't install any apps that you don't trust. Yes. And in fact, my recommendation is don't install any apps that I don't trust. Which is no apps again. Which is, yeah, <laughs> almost all of them. You're back to none because believe it or not, the other, the, well, we warned you beyond just don't download any apps that you don't trust we also warned against any apps that were a vpn that were free and google has pulled from their play store an app which was billed as super vpn because i mean it really i mean who wouldn't want a super vpn everybody wants a super vpn they pulled that because it was what uh, the hell is super in this context <laughs> <laughs> it was doing malicious stuff it turns out they were stealing data and they were installing malware. But don't worry. That is pretty super. <laughs> but between don't, don't, don't worry. Only 50 to 100 million people installed this app. Oh, is that all? That's all. So there's nothing to worry about. If you were a grumpy old Ben's listener, you already knew never install a free VPN app. And this is why. Because you are the data. And best case scenario, you're just data. Worst case scenario, the app on your phone will go after data you're not sharing with them, steal your privacy, personal information, and you'll maybe wind up you know, having credit card fraud and all that other fun stuff, banking fraud, because people do everything on their phone. And that's the scary point when if these malicious apps can then get into your banking app and stuff like that, bad things can happen. So you have to be well aware of who the people putting the app out are don't trust google play don't trust apple to vet these things don't uh, install apps you don't for, need. forget the part about vet these things don't trust google play end of story end of story and don't trust 
iTunes because now iTunes, I guess, has a different problem. And this is something I hadn't heard of. And I think I asked you before the show. I don't remember your answer because it was like two hours ago. Have you ever heard of this term fleeceware? The only time I've ever heard the term was right before the show and we weren't recording. So describe (laughs) it for me. Well, according to what I've read, fleeceware is something that stays within the app stores, you know, there are things that you can do. So it stays within their terms of service. But this is usually, I guess, something that, oh, well, this is normally going to be a $200 app or something like that, but we'll give you a three-day free trial. And when you go into this free trial, the first thing they ask for is your banking information or your credit card information. And yeah, well, there you go. You know that, and I know that. People are falling for this, I guess, because according to another article on bleepingcomputer.com, over 3.6 million users have installed fleeceware from the Apple's App Store. So 3.6 million. And what this basically does then is if you're not reading the terms of service, if you're not reading the fine print, when you put your banking information in, because usually they're saying these things are coming via the guys. This is the malicious part, I guess, is that this is like, oh, download the Bemrose whatever app. We're normally charging you 50 bucks for the app, but we're giving you a three-day free trial. So people go, oh, well, it's free for three days. Oh, this will be great. I'll use this for two days, and then I'll just delete it. Well, without being explicit malware, I don't even trust shit like Venmo and Zelle and all the payment apps anywhere because the first thing that they ask you for is please insert your bank account or whatever. Like, no, nobody gets access to my bank account, but me and my bank, period. In fact, long before apps, long before mobile phones or or portable phones or or these computers we all carry around, uh, there were there were a lot of places where like your your cable company would helpfully allow you to give them your bank account information so that you don't even have to worry about the bill. They'll just automatically deduct it from your bank account every single month. Hell no. Why? Because. Every, every one of these companies is a gigantic bureaucracy and big bureaucracies are, it is always possible that some, well, I mean, first of all, you know, uh, my point earlier, a bureaucracy is not a person. A bureaucracy is made of people. There are people there. People fuck up sometimes. Somebody at the cable company might either be having a bad day and, or, or drinking on the job or something and insert a number wrong. And instead of being charging you you know, $60 a month, they accidentally click over and it says $600 or $60,000 whatever. Oops. is 600. Uh, oops. Okay. Now, if you are being sent a paper bill and you get a bill for $600, the first thing you do is you pick up the phone and be like, Hey, what the hell? And then you get to talk to somebody and you got a chance at resolving that. But if they have your bank account information, then, Oh, first of all, then they've already got your money. They have no incentive whatsoever to talk to you anymore. If, if you have not given them money, they'll come to the table because they want your money and they'd like to talk to you. And let's, let's reach a negotiation that involves giving up your, some of your money. If they already have your money, they're not incentivized to do that. And more importantly, uh, your, your first clue is all your other bills, all your other checks bounce. Not that people write checks anymore, (laughs) right? But, all you have no money in your account you can't eat because 
the cable company went and took $600 out of your account instead of 60. No, never, ever let anybody automatically deduct money from your account because one month, it might take five or 10 years before it happens, but somebody is going to screw something up somewhere. You're going to get your bank account drained by these people you gave permission to, and they might not even bother getting you on the phone because, I mean, who wants to spend extra time giving money back? And don't give banking information. Don't give credit card information. The article says, as far as this, police wear on Android. Sophos discovered 40 such apps on the Google Play Store last year, some of them being downloaded over 100 million times. They ask for annual subscriptions of up to $511 if paid weekly. To use the apps, this is how it works. You're required to sign up for a trial using your payment information, a trial that you later have to cancel if you don't want to be charged. While many users will then uninstall the app, that's not the same as canceling the subscription. No, they have your bank account. Yes. You know, it says, uh, it's funny, the, the analyst at Sofo says, it's a business model that walks a fine ethical line, but it's apparently successful, which basically and, means and it's uh, pretty obvious which side of the ethical line it's on, too. Yes. And it's, it's just also there's a, yeah. there's a fine ethical line. It's way over there. Uh huh. It's it's not illegal. And it's going to separate you from your money, which, again, listen to Grumpy Old Ben's don't install any apps. And if you don't want to go that hardcore, don't list don't install any apps that you don't really really need and you really really vet who is the person behind the app or company even then you might get screwed so go go with the first i wanted to get back to uh i i brought up the story right before we got cut off uh about uh the group suing fox news for calling coronavirus a hoax and i wanted to get back to it it can be real quick i want to get back to the real reason that i brought it up because we talked a bit for whether about whether or not this is a hoax and whether or not you know, one would call it that, and and everything is politically charged because, of course, if they're a group from Seattle, then you know that they're far to the left, and Fox News is generally known for not being far to the left. Uh, that is changing. It, well, it, I mean, the, there's the no agenda theory that Fox News is run by Democrats. Uh, I'm I'm just convinced that it's running by greedy corporate overlords who want to make money at your expense, just like all of the other news stations. But here's the thing that I really liked about this story and the reason why I am all for it. Uh, I want this to go ahead and, and it, it is going ahead. They've got uh, April 2021 is actually the when they're set for trial, which, uh, of course, me, you know, the justice system moves slow as shit. Um, I absolutely support the ability for individual citizen groups to start suing news stations for bullshit. If, if, if some judge decides that it's okay, that when Fox news says blatantly false information, okay, the next lawsuits against CNN and the next one against MSNBC and the next, and, and you know, maybe these things can be taken down a peg. Now, Everything I just said is really, really scary for democracy because you're you're talking about bringing lawsuits for freedom of speech. And of course, I'm in favor of freedom of speech. So everything I just said about supporting the lawsuit, no, wrong. Um, people should not be suing each other for what they say. They should be ignoring each other or scorning, but not. But well, meanwhile, the, the idea that 
it's Fox News today, but who else is going to be sued for fake news later? And and maybe Everybody. they'll stop throwing so damn many stones at those glass houses. Everybody online is going to be sued, but I want to know, like anything, if you and bring if this- old Benz gets a suit, I'll be really flattered. Yes, and uh, with any of these lawsuits, though, so if they bring this up and say Fox spread misinformation and the the data is there, the video is there, all of these things that are going out on something like Fox News, it's all recorded. So you have the ability to go back and look at this when it turns out the reality is they didn't call the coronavirus a hoax and these people brought a lawsuit Do the people bringing the lawsuit then. I hope they have some kind of penalty for bringing up a lawsuit that's complete and utter crap. Well, in 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 an ideal world where we all shame, shared the same reality, it would be called slap uh, SLAPP. Uh, it's strategic lawsuit against public participation or something. It's basically bringing lawsuits to shut people up. Um, however, uh, the beautiful way that the world works now is that if you are in uh, no agenda calls the split dimension A and dimension B, but if you are in a world where uh, your reality is that everything Fox News said is is wrong, and that everything that you understand from your ideology is completely true and right and just, then reality and facts aren't important. It's it's did this person offend me, and did they say something that goes against the public narrative? So I don't think there's a chance in hell of of somebody coming out and saying you know actually it's not a hoax or it, it is a hoax and therefore they're right that's not the de- if, if i were a lawyer for fox news that is not the defense i would take because you can't convince people who have been brainwashed as thoroughly as people have been by mainstream media in this country you can't convince them that everything they've been fed is a lie despite having mountains of evidence for it which is the main point that there is mountains of evidence and like I said, that was my point of bringing up the CNN article about Diamond and Silk, which is, yeah, are you not watching your own network? I mean, that's the, but it's the, it's the confirmation bias, I guess. And I yep. believe and, that and hypocrisy and yeah. And I do believe that there's a lot of people that are so blinded by it on both sides that they believe it, which is why it's so hard to find a source for news now that leans neither way that just tries to find the truth of anything. And if somebody would just do that, if you would come up with a group of people that could actually cover the news in such a manner, I think you could be very successful and make a ton of money, but it's hard because everybody has a bias now. It seems. So I did want to bring up briefly the, uh, the Washington post article uh, about the online proctoring companies. Yes. Uh, which are, of course are you familiar with this. Yeah. Which of course nobody can read if they don't subscribe to the Washington post or turn off JavaScript. But, Oh, I was going to say it is that a because <laughs> it's a Washington Post dot com uh, article that I read. But yes. I didn't have to subscribe to anything. No, that's because you have JavaScript off. If you had JavaScript on, <laughs> it would. I would, completely <laughs> forgot there was a paywall there. <laughs> you know, that's how the paywalls are making a lot of money because it's so hard to turn JavaScript off. I yeah. Well, there there is that um, it, it didn't need to be a Washington Post article, but theirs was particularly thorough and uh I just wanted to to bring this up as as something that I I hate to agree with the Washington Post, but they were just about as outraged as I was learning about this. Uh, you know, out, outrage is is you know that's 
that's the theme of today's times. But um, there are companies, uh, the three named in the article that I saw were Examity, Proctorio, and Proctor U. Uh, these companies are selling their contracts to colleges and anybody who is giving exams in a stay-at-home world. Uh, what what these companies do is uh, you are giving an exam and they will have somebody, uh, usually a real person, but sometimes an AI, who is watching you take the exam using your webcam, using your microphone. Uh, they are trying to determine that you're not cheating. Um, uh, sometimes, uh, let's see, uh, watch the students' faces, listen to them talk, and uh, in some cases, the proctor can demand that they aim their camera around the room in order to prove their honesty. Uh, sometimes they use facial recognition, eye tracking, uh, and they might install other software that purports to detect cheating. Uh, they, they can use a keylogger to verify your typing rhythm. Uh, they track your speech and eye movements. They even track how many times that you click the mouse in a minute just to determine uh, all of these are are trying to determine the student's academic integrity. Um, it, it, the things that will uh, raise your suspicion score for the test is uh, looking off screen for too long. Uh, if if you turn your head away, uh, if you uh, if you click too many times, if you alt tab out of the test taking window for any reason, it'll raise your suspicion score. Um, all of these things can lead you to fail your exam. And, uh, the, the quote from the article that I really liked, so I'm going to use it is, uh, these platforms exist because they are selling a narrative that students can't be trusted and cheating on exams is as old as exams in school are. Um, I, you, you remember the day when, uh, you know, you, well, I, I don't, I would not want to impugn your honor, but there was always the temptation to copy notes off of the next person over. Or if, if it was a, uh, an exam where you were supposed to, you know, do things from your head to, to bring in some kind of cheat sheet that had the answers on it or something. Um, what is your thought on, on the, the new ways of trying to enforce online uh, exam integrity? Well, this is something that, I looked at quite quite a few years ago. My buddy Jeff, who we did the uh, Common Man, Common Sense, and all this podcast with, went to one of those online universities. Well, went used to stay at home and went to the online university, getting the degree and getting a master's degree. And even back then, this was my biggest question about how these online schools, universities work, and how they keep the integrity if you will of what's being given especially if you're giving out master's degrees you have to have some way of trying to keep people honest and back then there was absolutely nothing so i really i always thought that would be a great business if you were good at a particular subject i mean you could just take classes for somebody and you could get them a degree because the degrees mean nothing. Nobody ever really, you know, for most well, businesses. The, the, the dirty secret that millennials are finding out in droves is that degrees mean nothing. Yes. And having it, if you're not working for it, it's even better if you can get it. But that was the concept back then. And now it is no different, except 
that the technology is changing. Back then, probably there wasn't the bandwidth. Every computer didn't have a webcam. So this, I understand to a certain point. If somebody's taking a test, you want to make sure, first and foremost, if you can, that the person actually answering the questions on the online test are the person that you think it is. Because otherwise, again, you could have any of your classmates, any of your friends, because most of these tests aren't given you know, at the same time. This, this is the, the loosey-goosey method of the education system now, where the world used to be everybody had to be in the same room for the same hour or whatever the time period was to take a test. And you were monitored then by a at least one teacher in front of the room, sometimes often multiple people if it was a larger class in college where you have people just kind of keeping an eye on things. The online thing has changed where people don't all have to take the test at the exact same time. You're given a window or something, usually, I believe. And that way, you know, if you have a buddy that's really good in the same class with you, well, you could just pay him to take your test. So I get why the colleges want to try to do this. The end result while being really freaky and you know feeling invasive i understand why and if you want that degree i think you have to put up with it otherwise go back it, to a in, you know in-person school did, did well the the problem that's coming up and the reason why this is suddenly a concern now is that you can't go back to an in-person school right they're not letting you right and and so a lot of schools and and this is this is becoming incredibly scary because a bunch of people who and and even you know school administrators and uh, and some lecturers who uh, are are purportedly uh, very smart people, but are people who make mistakes just like you and I, like you. Uh, these people are not thinking of through the actual implications and just saying, "Oh, they can take the test online from home and don't have to worry about it," and not thinking about all of the other knock-on effects. Right? Did I ever tell you why? Uh, it, this, despite having actually been invited by a professor that I had a lot of respect for, uh, why I decided not to go into a master's program and decided to get out of school as soon as I got my bachelor's. Because you wanted those cool, cool Benjamins quickly. Well, the, that was, yes. Okay. That was the reason. So I did tell you that, or, or you <laughs> probably figured that out. Yes. But one of the major contributing reasons, um, when I was a corporate cog at a large company whose name I will just say is Microsoft, um, if I didn't know some fact, if I there was some particular bit of syntax or piece of programming that I didn't have ready in my head at that moment, and I went over to the person in the office next to me and asked, hey, what was that? function that you use to do this and they told me the answer you know what that was called that was called saving time that was innovation that was uh, saving every it was good it was a good thing if i don't remember the name of every single function in windows i can ask somebody or i can cheat off somebody or i can download notes or i can look at the api or the documentation no it's microsoft there was no documentation <laughs> I, I, I was rewarded for doing these things that in a classroom exam environment are, are considered impugning your ability, your, your integrity. Um, our system of quote unquote educating people is tremendously outdated in this country. 
first of all, school is the only place anywhere ever that you are going to be required to wield knowledge, but not be allowed to look it up. Uh, it, it, when I was very young and there weren't cell phones and handheld computers everywhere, um, you might theoretically be dropped into a situation where you can't go off and either find a library that has a book or that you can't, you know, go find a web search. Cause I'm not quite that old. Um, but that doesn't even happen now. Anybody in the entire world in, in the modern world that doesn't know a piece of information can do a 10 second search on their phone and get that information. Why are we penalizing people from using the actual skill that they are going to be needing in life to get by on the exams? Because colleges overall are run by liberals and they don't want to teach critical thinking. They just want to make you think you're learning something so they can make all that money that they charge for your education. God, too close to home. I was going to say something about the, the Prussian system and stuff, but I think you just fucking nailed it. I mean, I think that's it. And when you, what you said, we're old. And I saw a meme once where, yeah, to all my teachers who said I wouldn't have a calculator and a you know encyclopedia with me all the time. And then there was a picture of a cell phone like, ha, eat that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, that, because, was, that was the line that they said. It's like, you need to learn your multiplication tables because you won't always have a calculator. Well, you know what? Fuck you, Ms. Smith. I do always have a calculator. And critical thinking now is so much more important than knowing yeah. facts and, and, and figures. problem solving. Yes. And, and critical thinking, problem solving, creativity, things that for the most part, academia does not teach. They're piss poor at teaching critical problems so you know if you get into some of the advanced ones if you survive years and years of undergrad and and wrote bullshit then you might get into a program uh, an advanced program where you are actually expected to start really solving problems but most people don't and it just the the entire story yes it's completely ridiculous and it is definitely privacy invasion for them to be installing all this shit and an absolute red flag there is you know, if if I was enrolled in a college, and, and it's easy for me to say this now because I have my degree and I've been out in the world and I'm not beholden to student loans and all that, but I would probably go to the teacher and be like, I, I am not going to install this bullshit software. How else can we make it so that I can get through this class? Because I don't want to have to drop the class because you are trying to destroy my privacy. If you were on the other side of this, how would you keep kids from cheating or adults because there are a lot of adults in these schools um how would you keep well, people from arguably college-age people are over 18 and therefore are technically adults even when they don't act like it true um i think what what i was railing against is the the idea of if if you go in first of all if you go in assuming that a student is trying to cheat then you're already going in with with the supposition that every that your students are uh not that they want if you assume a student wants to cheat then your assumption is that they're not there to learn the the benefit of learning should be to learn not and and i get that all of the incentives are perverse because grades right but if if i have set up my class so that i'm just taking a textbook and going up to the lecture hall and reading a textbook and then building a multiple choice quiz out of the information in the textbook, then I failed long, long, long before I tried to start proctoring this exam. 
That is not the way we teach people. First of all, rote memorization has long, like way longer than before I was in school. Um, rote memorization was proven to be a really, really shitty way of getting people to understand things. You can get people to memorize their times tables or, or, you know, the dates in history, but if they don't understand why or where you end up with an entire generation of people who think that the only reason why America went to war in 1860 was slavery. And that's it. It's much more complicated than that. And the world is more complicated than that. And yes. a little bit of critical thinking will get you to reach that conclusion, but nobody does that. So if I am the teacher, um, I, I would structure, first of all, I, I would like to be in a position and I understand this isn't something that people who are in classic academia have the luxury of, but if I am teaching, um, and, and I, I do, I do like teaching people things, but I am, I only teach the willing. If somebody demonstrates that they are not interested in learning the information that I have to give out, we're done. I, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time on it. So let's go ahead and go down the fantasy path of I'm only there for willing students. Uh, having been out of school and having been out in a place where I, I understand how people actually work in the real world, which is they collaborate and they they get information from each other because that's faster than trying to make it up on your own. Um, I would structure my class such that people are graded on how well they collaborate, how well they they interact with others, how well they solve problems, whether individually or as a group that are are the kind of problems that are are interesting, are are useful. I would teach people to actually go out in the world and be useful and not just memorize a bunch of useless facts. Also, totally not teaching gender studies. <laughs> well, that's good. And you just blew my mind because the University of Phoenix, which my buddy Jeff went to, was all collaboration. You hit it exactly on what they were doing even then, which was it wasn't learn the material and take online tests. It didn't matter what the subject was. Every one of those courses seemed to have at least like two thirds of the grade was something that was a group project where people had to work together, which, of course, forced you to participate even when the teacher couldn't look over your shoulder, which is the, the other interesting yeah. thing with the at home school. Now, I saw another article unrelated to what you know you were just talking about this morning that talked about teachers now putting out these video lectures rather because of course you're learning at home and people are like binge watching which is interesting now because you can watch you know at one and a half two times the speed sure. they're binging their stuff rather than you know going on a week-to-week -week basis which you would or a day-to-day -day in class and the, the the privacy issue there which it didn't freak me out anywhere you know near as much because it wasn't as invasive as what you're talking about with the tests but the teacher could go in and see which students had watched the videos and when, and they were using that as a way not to take attendance, if you will, because they still, if you pass the test, you pass the class. But this was at least a way for the teachers to, you know, keep up with who's doing what. And you're right. Nobody's been looking to do this full time and they're trying to pivot quickly. And I think they're going to make a lot of mistakes and it'll be interesting to see what the end result is because hell, it's a hell of a lot easier to learn at home if you have the right personality, I guess. Parents who are spending big bucks on schools 
I mean, you really hate to tell you, most of the time you're just spending money so your kids can go away and party in a fraternity. I'm not saying yeah, you did that. You're spending money on a very, very expensive babysitter. Yes. And if you can do this at home at your computer, well, then it's a whole different world. So, uh, finally, the, the real kicker, the, the last, I, I saved the best for last uh, with regards to this online proctoring stuff. Uh, uh, the kicker is, according to the privacy policies of, of at least ProctorU and Proctorio. That's a great name. They retain the rights to the data that they collect while you're taking the exam. Now, does the data include the video of you? Uh, they, they do retain the video because the person who admitted, administered the exam might need to uh, see it later. And of course, because privacy policies are so easy to draft with wide sweeping things, they re retain the rights to it, which means that at least in some cases, uh, if you are on screen taking an exam, they can take the video of you taking an exam without your permission and use it as an advertisement. Okay, so you take if you take any exams, I'm just recommending for for you, Sir Bemrose, uh, doing a topless. Well, it, here here was the thing that came to my mind was uh, if. If I am, say, if, if I'm in a dorm room and uh, my roommate is taking one of these exams, um, hell yeah, I'll go ahead and masturbate on the bed behind them. <laughs> you walk by. Why not? You walk by. <laughs> I hanging might be a brain. terrible roommate. Yeah. You're just hanging this, brain. This, by the way. Dancing behind him. Yeah. yeah. This, this might be also why um, I often had my own room in, in college. <laughs> because nobody would room with you. <laughs> How many it's times did you do technique. one of these things? Come on. Well, it's an effective technique. I, you, you get what you need, however you get it. It's just another way for the attractive young females to get better grades because you're just the professor's going to want to watch them taking the test. I just realized we've been talking for two and a half hours. It's a what? one year Where anniversary special go? of Grumpy Old Bench. Woo! Yeah, and, and we are long-winded mofos. We are. And we've talked Did about you? this before, and this may be something to consider. Again, reach out to us, Darren at Grumpy Old Benz or Ryan at Grumpy Old Benz. We may want to consider going the no agenda route and going to two shows a week and trying to keep them oh down under 90 minutes. I don't think I, I don't think any of us could handle that much Bemrose. <laughs> I don't know. Or O'Neill. Well, it's the same amount. It's, it's just split up. Uh, if you think if you think we could cut ourselves off, I'm not sure we have that ability. I think we uh, can if we if we actually give you know, if we look at the timer and go, OK, we, and I know you hate the because they're podcasts and you hate the hard break. But I think we could do it if we kind of took that mentality a little bit. Uh, I yeah, I'm not good with mentalities. It's not what I do. <laughs> that is true. But we do have a donation segment. We do have a few people to thank today. And this is a very special one year of grumpy old Ben's. And it is a celebration because you didn't think you were going to be able to podcast through like five episodes. And you said we had to get through 50 to be I out didn't of beta. Think you could put up with me for that many episodes. You see, I am very patient. Uh, I think it was DC Girl or Jennifer Buchanan over on No Agenda Social that said I was the nicest guy in podcasting. And I believe I responded with that's just because I podcast with Ryan. So I just seem. Yeah, you, you are the <laughs> nicest guy on Grumpy Old Ben's. I can say that without reservation. Yes, that nobody will argue with that. And we want to thank everybody that has been listening, subscribing, telling their friends about the show, 
and supporting the show financially is a really big deal. And of course, this being one year of Grumpy Old Ben's, my 50th birthday week, it's been a whole lot of fun. Sir Scandinavian, I'll give him a shout out here too for making a nice big donation over to Random Thoughts. He basically said, I like you better than Ryan, but that's okay. Sir Scandinavian, we get it. I'm, I'm the, again, the friendlier, nicer guy. But for Grumpy Old Ben's today, coming in for the first time, Sir Sammy from Finland with 3333 and that number obviously has a lot of meaning through the no agenda crowd and it just keeps showing up in the news on a whole lot of things and he sent a little note in in the morning and happy birthday darren i would suggest darknet diaries and dan carlin's hardcore history i asked on random thoughts for some suggestions of other good podcast people can be listening to Uh, he said keep up the good work both of you so that's including you ryan he says, I but hope you're wait, able. I, hold on. Hold on. Have, have I done good work? I don't know. But he said did you should keep happen? it up. Yeah. Okay. Sir Sammy believes you did good work. I don't know if anybody else does. If anybody else. Well, thinks I appreciate you, that. If anybody else believes so, re- reach out to us. Tell us or even better donate like Sir Sammy did. He did say that I hope you are able to pin Ryan more often to hypothetical situations where he has to infringe others' freedom. See, people like that part when I turn it around on you and say, well, what, what would you do? And, and I've put you in that position. So, Sir Sammy, we appreciate that. Uh, he says, thank you for your courage, Sir Sammy from Finland, which, again, grumpy old Benz. This is the weirdest thing with doing podcasting is having people is listening. Having listeners? Well, one, having listeners, right, because you never think you're going to have listeners when you start I, a podcast. I never expected that. And when they start coming in from... The Netherlands, Finland, Australia, Canada, and then, of course, the United States. But they're all over the UK and you start getting all of this, all of this data in and hearing from people that are listening to the show. It makes this just so weird when you think about it, that it is a worldwide thing and there are people from all walks of life. There are people from all over the world. And it's great when we get input from them, just like with no agenda, having producers all over keeps us honest. And you get information that you wouldn't get otherwise. So, and I, I really, I am amazed and thrilled uh, at all of our international listeners because uh, we are a pretty uh, America centric podcast. We most of the things we talk about happen in the U.S. For the uh, you know all of the the laws and uh, concepts that I rail about tend to be all America centric because frankly I don't know much about the culture in other places other than what i've heard on podcasts uh so it it always amazes and impresses me when people from outside the u.s think that we are good enough for them to come and comment on no agenda social or or even donate or or just come into the troll room and troll um it's really appreciated and uh after an entire year of this i never expected that I never expected we'd have any success. I thought you were going to ditch me at some point, but um, I, I'm thrilled that, that after, uh, you know, on the one hand, after a whole year and on the other hand, after only one year um, that we have this many people who are, are, are contributing, who are wanting to come on and chat with us. I really enjoyed our chat last week with, with DC girl and Sir William. Um, I feel like this is a successful experiment and I look forward to doing it and right up until 
um, somebody swats me and ends up sending me to jail for something. <laughs> Progo says, Sir Bemrose and Darren out, you suck. And I look forward to another year of grumpy old Ben's. We appreciate Couldn't that. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, moving on, we have another new guy coming in with a donation. Oystein Burge, which I don't know where he's from, comes in with 2020. No note, but I'm hoping the 2020 means we're, we're seeing things properly. We're reporting things. I suspect things. that's the year. It could also be the year, but I mean, that's 2020. It's like 2020 vision. That's perfect vision, which neither one of us have, of course. No, I'm I'm pretty farsighted. I, I bought some very expensive vision 20 years ago uh, through LASIK, and uh, now I'm farsighted. It's awesome. Yeah. My vision was always so bad. They were like, yeah, LASIK, no, not, not going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it. Um, we also have another. I got, I got 20 years of being able to drive without contact lenses. I felt like it was worth it. Well, that's a plus because now with all of this, don't touch your eyes. You don't want to be wearing contacts. Oh, yeah. It, contacts plus allergies are your fingers never leave your eyes. Well, yeah, an allergy. Allergy season's coming up now, so that's going to be it's even springtime. more fun with everybody. It's springtime. Everything outside is pollen. Everything. And they're saying New York might have the worst pollen on record. Don't know how that's related to anything going on. Well, but. there's going to be people out sniffling and coughing and sneezing in the streets, and everybody's going to be freaked out because of the Rona. Yeah, they're going to be freaked out. I mean, rightfully so until we get some real data, but we'll see when that comes down. Uh, we have Keith Van Dyke with his monthly donations, and he does that for both Random Thoughts and Grumpy Old Ben. So we appreciate that, Keith. And also two episodes in a row now from Harry Hamster, and we appreciate him always a force to be reckoned with in the troll room, but he's still not spelling it with a P. So he doesn't understand. He's making that one girl that cried because hamster she learned was spelled with a P. He's still making her sad. She might have to call I'm her choosing mom. to believe that that was intentional, <laughs> Probably. That, that his, his troll room nickname was chosen specifically to spite that one fragile bitch. Yes. That one fragile millennial who shouldn't have a job dealing with people at all but we appreciate again everybody that has donated and if you want to do so that's what the cool kids are doing you can go to grumpyoldbens.com you have a plethora of ways to donate to the show now from the paypal button which is that little subscribe button there's a qr code if you want to use bitcoin there is a mailing address if you want to go the old-fashioned route and we have the patreon solution if you want to do that which is at patreon.com slash grumpy where there's absolutely no content at all but you can still subscribe monthly there whichever way it makes it easier for you we appreciate whichever which way you use and we're planning on being here hopefully for another year to, to we have to keep up with that lawsuit about fox news and that's not going to be for a year so we're just gonna have to kill time for oh yes we need to make more promises like that just to guarantee we'll be here yeah we need to be around for at least another year and if you want to reach out to us, it's Darren at Grumpy Old Benz, Ryan at Grumpy Old Benz, and I'm on No Agenda Social, as is Ryan, and you can get an invite off of GrumpyOldBenz.com. It is like Twitter, but for sane people. And if you want to talk to me on Twitter, I am there at either Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L, or Grumpy Old Benz on Twitter. Anything else? Before we wrap up this beautiful one-year anniversary show of Grumpy Old Ben's. Well, I was thinking that maybe uh, our, our Patreon uh, tagline should be absolutely no content at all. Ooh, that would be great. We're promising it, it, nothing. 
It, it And it might describe our podcast regardless. We promise nothing. And boy, can we deliver. Ah, what can I Remember, say? Keep, keep expectations low and you're always pleasantly surprising people. Unless Happy you really birthday, suck. Darren. Thanks, Bill. Until. Uh, oh, yes. uh, on the birthday topic. Yeah. Um, I do want to shout out because I, I should have brought this up earlier and slipped it in, but um, happy birthday to Bemlet. Uh, he, he turns almost as old as me tomorrow. He's still younger, but he's catching up. Tony Bemrose, big birthday shout out. When is the drunken old Bems thing going to happen? I've been waiting for that stream. Uh, well, at some point when we can raise you late in the evening. <laughs> also, never. Or, or if I can figure out this technology shit and, and make it work myself. Yeah, you just need to throw everything into butt and it just gets right up to the stream. It's cool. We can teach you. That's, that's sage advice. Just throw everything in your butt. Throw everything in the butt. B-U-T-T. It's software, folks. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where this podcast isn't just a gotcha to Ryan Bemrose. We're planning on being here for a while longer. And from America's left coast, where if you're not the customer, you're the data. I'm Ryan Bemrose. I want to be the data. Uh-huh.